0: Is that the question we're asking today? Is Teddy Pendergrass dead? He
1: is. Teddy Pendergrass dead. That's an important question. Oh, dies at 59. Teddy Pendergrass, the Philadelphia soul singer, whose husky potent baritone was one definition of R&B seduction in the 1970s. His career was transformed in 1982. He was severely paralyzed in an auto accident and died on oh, Wednesday night.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: 2010, At yeah. only 59 years old.
0: I thought I remembered seeing something about that, but that I couldn't sucks. remember if it was definitely him that was dead or not. That sucks. Well, it's so hard to figure out.
1: He's cool though. You can't drive yeah, he's a cool in dude. the morning at six, at seven o'clock in the morning, seven, seven forty-five, eight o'clock. If you're in a bad mood, get you a coffee and listen to some Teddy.
0: Bears. I, I agree. He's a he was. I'll tell you the word that I'll use for him. He was suave.
1: He suave, dude. He was awesome. a suave dude. That's just a different field of a generation. You know what that I mean?
0: was real R and B, not the crap that gets passed off as R and B now.
1: R and B sucks. It's like any other mainstream music. It's not good. It's
0: there was a lot of really. Really bad R and B in the last few years that was passed off as being real and legit.
1: And Toad the Wet Sprocket, I'm guaranteeing if you listen to them and this type of music that you like, oh, you man. love man, dude,
0: I love Toad lo- the Wet Sprocket. Oh, you do? Oh, Good Intentions. All I want oh, is don't... to feel this way,
1: dude. All dude, they have so many more songs than that. I'm telling you, they have like.
0: And but you of... know that's another group that just kind of went. Yeah. Okay, we're done.
1: They're super talented. He does a lot of um, he does a lot of his own stuff. The lead singer, yeah. he did most of this music, so he wrote most of that stuff. Man almost forgot what side twas on. I don't think it matters. No. I think it's all good. Oh, yeah. I went to, uh, I had a job in Virginia today. Uh, Oh, no. A part rich something. Richlands? No. Before you get there, it's like when you first get into Virginia. That's pretty close. Might have been Richlands.
0: Richlands isn't that far away.
1: Okay, so it was Richlands, and this guy was a Hokies fan, and he was wearing a Hokies (sighs) jacket when he answered the door. Boo!
0: He was an asshole. Go figure.
1: He was just a weird little guy, and I just wanted to fight him a little Did bit.
0: Did he have a lot of pictures of middle school cheerleading teams on his wall? And... I
1: thought those might have been his grandchildren, but you you know no, what? No, probably
0: not. They're probably not. No, there was a lot of diversity. They were from all kinds of different schools. <sighs> diversity. Probably wouldn't want to blacklight those walls.
1: No. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> children's fingerprints?
0: <laughs> um... That would be the least horrific thing you would find, I'm guessing if you put the the black light on a is that what we're going to call this Black Light on a hokey wall <laughs> Black Light on a hokey that sounds like a that sounds like a band name or an album name from the sixties some psychedelic rock
1: black light on a hokey wall
0: the uh unreleased Pink Floyd track
1: yeah that's off Emily play, I think, or something like that.
0: That'll be good. I need to remember that. Black light on a hokey wall. I, I don't know if I told you this or not.
1: That's about as nasty as a black light on a hokey wall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll uh, I'll tell you this. I, I don't think you know this. I'm we'll start using that, by the way. That's fine. Well, it's on the show. Make a good hashtag. Uh, I don't know if I told you this, but I was checking a couple of things. Um, we apparently have a listener in Blacksburg.
1: I know. You told me about that. Uh, That's great. I like it.
0: I'm going to guess they were on SoundCloud or on social media somewhere and did a, a little keyword search for Hokie or Virginia Tech. <laughs> oh.
1: And thought, oh
0: well how bad could this be? And then immediately found out.
1: So what's the uh what's the handle for this anyway? It's at um, SoundCloud?
0: We are on SoundCloud. So it's the address is soundcloud.com slash Apex Live. Soundcloud
1: one word SoundCloud?
0: Yeah soundcloud.com slash apex live and forward slash. The only slash we that they use on the web. Yeah. That's the one. At. Yeah, it's just soundcloud.com slash apex live.
1: Slash not A, yeah, not at.
0: No, slash apex live. And then if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then it's Apex Live Podcast.
1: And they can listen to it there as well?
0: Um, it'll just direct them back to SoundCloud. So if people want to listen, they can listen at SoundCloud.com. And it's got all the episodes and everything, and hopefully we'll be on iTunes and Twitter and all the... Uh, Twitter. iTunes and Stitcher. Don't be a and all that other stuff here
1: soon. So I hope uh, Billy Joe Saunders gets his face smashed. Oh, we'll be talking to T-Bear about that. Don't worry
0: about that. So you want to hear, uh, hear some intro music? Yes. All right. Check this out. This is pretty awesome. If I can do so without knocking the Kindle into the floor. All right. <laughs>
1: Has a Fleetwood Mac filter. You
0: know, I said the exact same thing. kind of starts off like dreams. Yeah. uh... On a cold, wintry evening in southern West Virginia, it's episode 9 of Apex Live. Thanks for joining us, wherever you may be. I'm Brad, that's Steve. Steve, how you doing, sir? I'm good. How about yourself, bud? I'm uh, I'm excited to be back. I've got stuff to do. I've got stuff to talk about. It's almost bowl season for college football, which is fun because it's one of my favorite things of the year, but it also means that the season's over, and that makes me sad. It was fast this year. It went by quickly. I always, I always feel like it goes by fast, but this time
1: especially, it felt like it went away quickly. I had the least interest in football this year. I don't know what it was. I just didn't – even any any level at all, I didn't feel it. I think a lot of people felt that after what went on with the NFL. I think they just put a damper on everything sports. They
0: got so disenfranchised. By, and part of part of the reason why people got so disenfranchised by it, I think, is in the last – it's always been true. But in the last 10 or 15 years, if not more, the attitude that the NFL is basically using – College football as its minor league system—that's
1: exactly what they do. They has take filtered
0: advantage. down yeah. to a point where it's kind of hard to differentiate the two. You always hear the talk of you know, we need to get the rules more streamlined. Well, it's yeah. never the NFL that's making the rules more like college, which are oh, yeah. fan friendly. It's always let's make college more like the NFL. Give me college football over the NFL any day of the week. But yeah, I do think sure. that filtered down a little bit. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I grew up a Steelers fan. I've watched them for years. The Super Bowls, the regular seasons, all of it. And I have not watched a game this year. And you didn't not even feel like watching Not one. And here's what's odd about it. You know, It's been something for me that I did every day. Every, or every, Not every day, but every weekend. For years, that's what I did. I get up, I go to church, I come home, I watch the Steelers game, I go to church that night, or you know, depending on what time... And there's a lot of people that have that same exact right. story. depending you know? on what time yeah. kickoff is or whatever, you'll adjust that. But that's what I did. Yeah. And you know, the first week or two, it felt kind of strange. And then I got to a point after about three weeks, and I said, I don't miss it. Yeah. And I was a little... That's everything in life, though. That's what's crazy about it. I was a little conflicted. I'll say that. I was a little conflicted when it came to doing doing that about the NFL season and everything. And I said, well, I'll just watch my team. I won't watch anybody else, which I kind of did anyway. But it stayed that way until the Steelers played, I think it was at Chicago. And Tomlin said, we're not going to have anybody taking a knee or not. We're just going to stay in the tunnel for the national anthem. And I said, you know, if, even if you did something I disagree with, like get out there and kneel for the anthem or whatever, at least you're doing something. At least you're standing up for something. Yeah. You're not going to be a coward and stay in the tunnel.
1: Indecisive. Okay? Yeah.
0: We're, we're just not going to do anything. Well, to me, that's worse, yeah. Steve. That's yeah. worse. I'm not going to do that. So that was enough for me. And I think they lost a game. They lost that game, and then they lost another one down the stretch at some point. And Bill said, well, Cowher
1: should have never quit. And he I said,
0: them. you know, um, You're not hating there's, a, there's a reason why they lost. Um, maybe their best defender stayed in the tunnel for the game. <laughs> maybe. It, it made me mad, and there are, it's amazing to me how many people, and you've probably encountered some of these people too. It's amazing to me how many people started off with that, and you, you saw the videos on social media of people burning their memorabilia and burning jerseys mm-hmm. and shirts and all this stuff. And then their team starts doing well in the season. And
1: they're right back at and it. And you
0: get to week 12, and they say, you know, we have to forgive. We have to be forgiving people. Oh, if you're going to stick to your guns, stick to your guns. And I, and by no means, Steve, am I saying that I'm not going to watch
1: any games next year? I'm not saying that. I know a few megalomaniacs that were like, well, uh, oh, we don't believe in this, blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, they're like, hey, go go team, go, go team. You of know? course. And they're bandwagon fans in the first place, and they change their team every couple of years. But yeah, that's what's up with that. that I'm uh I'm not gonna do that. I have a little bit of inner disdain for these people, but on the outside I will I like them. <laughs> <laughs> not really like them, but I'm cordial. You you tolerate them and you're polite. If they heard this they would know exactly who I was talking that's about. That's fair. I just um I'm just being cool about it. I'm not gonna compromise on that. Now
0: it is kind of odd to realize that if I don't watch the Super Bowl this year which that would hit the NFL the hardest. As much as ticket sales have hurt and the lost revenue at concessions and parking and programs and all that stuff that we know about, mm-hmm. people that don't watch the NFL they still, not watch the watch it, still watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. If they don't watch the Super Bowl and NFL viewers don't watch the Super Bowl, the NFL is going to feel it big time. Yeah. Now, will that happen? I don't know. Will the media kind of throw them a solid and fudge well, people the numbers? Always, they
1: still like the commercials, so that's going to count. They do, but, you
0: know, you can watch the commercials without watching the game now because of YouTube, and half these companies are releasing their commercials before yeah, the game true. ever gets here, so yeah. a lot of those things are it's happening. Kind of like
1: Black Fridays now, yeah. It's turned into that. Yeah.
0: Again. So I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I've not watched any NFL. I still love my college football, and I'm thankful for it. Bowl season starts tomorrow. We're recording this on a Friday on the 15th, so bowl season Who starts tomorrow? tomorrow. Uh, there's four games tomorrow. There's uh, Boise State in Oregon is the best game of the day. That's the Las Vegas Bowl. Troy plays somebody. Western Kentucky plays somebody. Colorado <laughs> State plays Marshall in the Who Cares Bowl out in New Mexico. Yeah,
1: isn't Troy and uh, Marshall in the same conference?
0: They they are not. Troy is in the Sun Belt. Marshall's in Conference USA. Oh, basically, They've played, the same conference, They've played before, and yeah. Troy beat them.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Troy beat LSU this year. Huh. Troy went on the road and beat LSU at LSU. That's bad. And then Auburn had LSU down, I think 20 some points at home at LSU and LSU came back and beat them down down 20 plus. And any time Auburn loses It's a good day. It's kind of fun to watch Auburn lose. You know, they're SEC yeah. and I I'm not, you know, obviously West Virginia's not an SEC team, no. but I like I like Georgia and and I think SEC football is fun to watch. But Which actually often, would have
1: made more sense if they did play in the a- a- SEC.
0: ACC would be a better fit. SEC would be a better fit. Yeah. But it's not how it worked out. And that's a Let's whole, go all the way to the Midwest and play our football. Not even the Midwest. We're going to the Southwest. Yeah. We're, we're in a conference where 40% of the teams are from Texas. Yeah. And then that. two from Kansas, two from
1: Oklahoma. Geographically, and that's always just been my case, is that, that makes no sense to me. Well,
0: it was before that the outlier was you know, Iowa State. Yeah. I'll tell you who never should have left the Big 12 huh. is Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska yeah. never should have left the Big 12. I don't think Colorado should have left the Big 12.
1: Well, they're in, what, the 10 or something like that? Uh, Nebraska, big
0: Nebraska's Big 10 now. and
1: They're kind of far off for the Big 10, they too, fall, though, right?
0: They've fallen off
1: big The But time, Wisconsin's and, is also with them, too. They're mm-hmm. also in the Big 10, yeah. Right. Wisconsin's good. Which there's some distance between like Ohio and some of the other teams. Nebraska, I mean,
0: yeah, but yep. Yeah, Nebraska, they're just they're so far out of it. Now, are they as bad of a fit as Maryland and Rutgers? No. Why would you ever want to go
1: to Nebraska to do anything? Well, that's why their
0: football team's so good. It's because <laughs> you realize they've sold out two or three hundred at least home games in a row. I would they can I be terrible. They can have a losing record and be awful, which is rare for them anyway. And they're, they're like Notre Dame.
1: They're kind of like Notre Dame.
0: Right, but we like them, and they're not evil. So,
1: well, no, I, that's a good case, but I'm just saying, yeah. Very In terms of the
0: support, it's very similar. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for Nebraska. Uh, their program was great with Tom Osborne in the 70s and 80s and 90s, and then he left, and then they kind of screwed Frank Solich. And when they screwed him and brought in Bill Callahan, they killed their own program. Yeah. that They set the precedent because Solich won 10 games one year.
1: They, they have a good basketball team, though, don't they? Nebraska off and on. Yeah.
0: The, the, the one that really has a good basketball team is is Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin they have for, a good football and basketball team. They do. Kind of yeah.
1: like West Virginia. They're always Wisconsin's weird though. Why would you? I mean, really? Heritage, you know? honestly, it's heritage and heritage, but like not actually from the
0: area. Heritage, heritage, and great coaching.
1: They is have what a big, has I'm sure them. big linemen come from that area. Of the country. Oh goodness! Yeah, that's yeah. probably where I mean, that's Big I'd Ten say. football. Yeah. Big Ten
0: football is big, is big linemen. That's where power you get your football. linemen
1: from. Yeah,
0: but Wisconsin is all. They always have great coaches, and it was Barry Alvarez, and then they had Brett Bielema, and Bielema went left and went to Arkansas. He just got fired a couple of weeks ago at Arkansas. Hmm. So then they made the switch. I think it's Gary Anderson now, and Anderson is an excellent coach. They just they hire well, and I the, think that's uh, what matters.
1: NFL running back area, no different guy. Oh,
0: okay. this guy was the head coach at Utah State, I believe.
1: Now who just went to Utah to be a coach? Urban Meyer, right? Urban Meyer started at Utah. But he went back. Mm. No, Utah, no, Urban Meyer still at Ohio State. I thought I saw just now where uh, he moved oh on. Oh,
0: God, no. No, he's not going anywhere. Unless
1: that was it, I'm going to have to do some research. You go ahead
0: and do it. But Urban Meyer's not leaving Ohio State until Michigan catches up with him again. Then he'll fake another heart condition and leave. Because <laughs> that's what Urban Meyer does.
1: <laughs> now, Urban
0: Meyer got rolling initially at Bowling Green. And then went to you went to Utah, took Utah to the Fiesta Bowl as a non-power conference member, and won the Fiesta Bowl 35 to nothing over Pitt, which made me extremely happy. Left there, went to Florida, won a couple of national championships. Yeah, he did it, yeah, he was there. And then quit for a year because of health concerns and the stress is too much, and I can't deal with it anymore which was just an encoded way of saying I don't have Tim Tebow anymore, so uh, it's going to be hard to win games.
1: They, they totally screwed Tebow, though. I mean, it's ridiculous. So
0: then he took a year off, did some TV stuff. The Ohio State job comes open. Oh, look, Urban's feeling better. Mm-hmm. So he ended up going to Ohio State and
1: doing what they do. But That's a weird name. He Is he from West Virginia or something like that? No, not as far as I know. It's the coach from Alabama, right?
0: Yes, Nick Saban is from. Saban. Saban's from West Virginia. Jimbo Fisher, who just left Florida mm-hmm. State and went to Texas A&M, he's from West Virginia. Um,
1: uh, it's I, I just heard he's supposed to go back to Utah because they don't know if he's coming back to Ohio State. John, That's just
0: what I heard. John McKay, who won a couple of national championships at USC in the 70s, mm-hmm. was the first head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, West Virginia's had a, produced a lot of great coaches. we If done, you can
1: make it here, then you can make it anywhere. Well,
0: for a yeah, we're like New York in yeah. that way. It's like yeah. But
1: we've,
0: for such a small population center and population oh, yeah. base, it's amazing how much greatness we produce. The only mm-hmm. problem is we've got to start finding a way to keep these people at home.
1: Yeah, that's what's killed yeah. us. And why don't they want to stay? You know, make it and then uh, prove themselves and come back and do it, you know? Part of it is a desire. Part of it is the fact that we have not made it... Kind of how Huggins did it, though, worthwhile you know I mean? to do it. Well, Huggins, his dream
0: was always to come
1: back yeah. here. And... But he like has, an Urban Meyer that wants to maybe coach right. a WVU or Marshall or something. I'm Just that name right there, even if we don't like him, they're going to pull a lot of numbers. Oh my goodness. You know? And that, that's something Huggins has done. Um, yeah. a, a prime example of Which that. he only likes mid-major talent for some reason. I don't understand it, but...
0: Bob Huggins likes talent that... Is, works. Number one, that works with what he wants yeah. to do. Number two, will work as hard as he wants them to work. You don't and number go there. three, they yeah. have to be coachable. You, you are not going to come in and say, well, I'm a five-star recruit, yeah. and I already know how to play, and I'm a one-and-done going to the NBA. You're not going to serve his purposes, because when he tells you to do something, you're going to argue, and you're going to know better. He wants people that are going to listen to him. Mm-hmm. That's why his teams, when he gets senior-laden teams, or teams that have senior leadership like this year with Javon Carter mm-hmm. – those teams will play for him they will walk oh, through yeah. fire for him and that's what takes him to the tournament every single they're not going to make
1: any money those aren't none of those guys are really nba players they're not going to no but they make any all money. play pro they all yeah. go to europe, europe or something yeah. and they
0: play for 15 years john yeah. flowers is still playing and yeah. it's been 7 or 8 years he still plays by the way one of the funniest twitter accounts on earth was john flowers when he was at wvu hmm. me and a friend of mine who's going to be a guest on here probably next week jake morris we used to review his Twitter account and have the John Flowers tweet of the day, mm-hmm. and it was just – the one that I will always remember was he, uh, he was asked by an Asian friend of his mm-hmm. to watch her dog mm-hmm. while she was gone, and Flowers had on his Twitter account – I feel a little weird watching my Asian friend's dog because I don't know if she's going to have him for dinner later. <laughs> and I thought, John, don't do that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of that kind that of That was stuff. before
1: it was way too PC. Now you couldn't probably it.
0: wasn't anything. that long ago. It was 2010.
1: Yeah, it's still got a lot worse in the past couple of years. It's gotten worse in the last two months. Since 2000,
0: oh, I'm sick of doing that. It's though. gotten just totally out of control. If you want to join us uh, on social media, you can do that. You can email us with thoughts, comments, questions, suggestions, audio commentary. We encourage that. ApexLivePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, you can do so at ApexLivePodcast. We'll have Patreon coming at the end of the year. We almost didn't do Patreon because everything was lining up great. We were about to sign it up, and then Patreon changes their fee schedule and made a whole lot of people who use it mad. In a lot of areas, it got so bad, the revolt against Patreon was so bad, they had to publish a release saying, we're sorry, we screwed up, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. We messed up. That was our fault. So that was kind of nice. And, of course, you're listening to us on SoundCloud right now. Hopefully, after the first of the year, we'll have something lined up with iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're still working on that. Huh? Life updates. What's going on, Steve? Anything of note? No. No, thank you. Wow, I like that you, that you looked around and really dug deep into the caverns of your soul. Yeah, nothing really. That's, well, no, that's not true because you have given you have made the move on your dietary changes. Oh yeah, it's
1: not just like a little joke. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's you have made the move. So, so move.
0: what what changes have you made? What
1: are you doing um, or not doing? Plant based diet only, uh, no dairy, no meat. And to tell you the truth, my energy level has been better than it has been in years. I mean, actually, I feel like clean. I feel good. Oh, so you feel quicker? Feel like you're more agile, more energy? Just overall, I don't, I don't feel like a fog, like a bog down. Like I, it's, it's actually feels pretty good, really.
0: Well, that's interesting. Well, I think one thing maybe you're doing,
1: you're probably detoxing a little bit. I'd say so. Now yeah. it doesn't mean
0: you have to keep that up. You don't have to do this permanently.
1: If I didn't feel good about it, then I would. I think it's going to be a big proponent on what I want to do with my weight think it's really going to well, help the gear weight, that faster.
0: The weight is an important topic right now because as as our regular listeners know and as people who keep track of what we're doing in boxing know, uh, we've tried, what, four times now to get the uh, pro- professional debut set up and yeah. between commission issues and opponent issues and people not showing and promoter nonsense, things just keep not happening. So we've decided, Steve decided, and then I'm saying absolutely and giving it a big thumbs up, uh, we're going to go and dive right back into the amateur ranks just to stay busy and to build some things and seek some accomplishments. So the goal is uh, to jump back into the amateur state championships for the state of West Virginia. That'll be at the end of January 2018 in Uh Clendenin. If you don't know where Clendenin West Virginia is, well, you can just get in line with the rest of the people who live in West Virginia and aren't within five miles of the place because it's really hard to find.
1: Yeah, it's uh, obscure. But it's, uh,
0: it, it's an obscure place, but it's, an, it's a cool little venue, and there have been a lot of amateur tournaments done there before. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the Amateur State Championship. Steve's going to jump in, and I love this. He's going to fight at hopefully 152. Oh, yeah, baby. Not One, hopefully, for sure. 152.
1: It's happening. Holy crap. It's happening.
0: I pity someone that gets hit by you at 152 pounds. If they're naturally 152 pounds, oh, Yeah. yeah I don't care if they're naturally 152 or not. They're going to eat leather, and it's going to suck for them. I haven't tried to
1: hit anybody hard in a while. So
0: So that's the goal right now. We're looking at that. We may be looking at uh, the Hometown Heroes Boxing National Tournament at the end of February. Mm-hmm. Just going to play it by ear. But right now the whole goal is, is moving on to that amateur state championship tournament. Get a state title under our belts and, uh, and just see where we go from there. I guess the vegan diet plays into that. Trying to make it's that going weight. To, yeah. Is that going to be the key? Yeah. Yeah, because I've I'm not said. going to
1: feel, I don't have to starve myself. And I can still achieve protein, plant based protein, and not really have any of the fats associated. Plus, I, I've already been told I have high cholesterol. And I really That's didn't. genetic. But see, but see, the thing about it is is that um, I did the uh, keto diet. Oh, the ketogenic stuff. And what it, that really, really, really hit me with the uh, cholesterol because I was just doing uh, a lot of eggs, a lot of fat. Right. And it was just um, a lot of bacon, a lot of meats, a lot of good stuff, man. You know, It was all good. And I, I really like all that stuff. But from from a health standpoint and um, a competitive standpoint, I think that's the way I have to go for right now.
0: Any so. diet that you have, it's kind of like a defense. Yeah. Any diet that you have is going to have pros and cons. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And it's going to create trouble, and it's going to fix things no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And the keto stuff is just a modified Atkins diet or an Atkins diet is a modified keto, whatever. And as good as it is, yeah, it'll cut your carb intake, and it'll help you with weight stuff. Give you freaking heart attack. But it will stop your heart. And, <laughs> and not only that, but for, take that out of the equation. Take the cholesterol out. If you have a diet that is that rich in protein, a lot of
1: – It'll hurt I, your kidneys, man. Well, I Jack love them to death.
0: Up. I love them to death, but – I know a lot of people who are deep into CrossFit, and they're all about these these diet plans oh, that are gosh, so yeah. high in protein. Well, here's the here's the little joke, the little practical joke that's going to come back and visit them here soon. Uh, it's it'll be a few years, but it'll come to them. Kidney failure. And here here's the joke that gets played on you. Whenever you do that, it is kidney failure because you need those carbohydrates for energy, and the more you're working out, the more energy you need. Well, if you don't have the carbohydrates to do it, to put to create that energy. You're going to start burning protein, and you're going to start burning vitamins and minerals. Well, when that happens, it produces a lot of nitrogen in the blood. But well, when the nitrogen's in the blood, that's not a good thing. So no. what's it going to do? It's going to have to get filtered out. Guess what filters it out? Is liver does. That would be your kidneys. It's so Kidneys it's, and liver, actually. Exactly. Yeah, yeah both. they both clean the blood. Yeah. But it's going to hit those kidneys, and it's going to hit them hard. And that's, that's just kind of that ticking time bomb. You know, the Atkins thing is great. There's a reason why it was so trendy for a long time. It's great for about, I don't know, at most 6 months. 6 months. If you if you That's at decide the most. to do
1: that for a lifestyle, you're going to come into a lot of hurt from and that. And there are
0: people who do. There are people who oh, did yeah. it
1: 3 and 4 and 5 years yeah. and cuz they want to cut the fat from you quick so it's not putting so much in your body. You know, and you have to do more lean meats, you know, and stuff like that and still, you know, your your vegetables in and this and that cutting the carbs. Which, you know, it'll reduce because what you eat usually turns to sugar. When well, You know, carbohydrates, it turn to sugar. So, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, you have to be moderate with a lot of that stuff. Well, I don't you know? wish, I don't wish this stuff on anybody, obviously, but do people,
0: do your research before you jump headlong into this kind of uh, stuff because it will, it affects your immune system, it affects your organs, it affects your brain health, it yeah. it, it affects your clarity, your mental acuity, you cannot do these things long term and expect nothing to
1: happen. And you have to have sugars and stuff. And people you know, talking about cutting sugars out. Natural vegetable and, um, you know, uh, any kind of fruit, that's good sugar. If you cut a lot of the unnatural sugars out, I mean, it's amazing how sweet an apple is or a banana is. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, I'm, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, first of all. I have to keep
0: eating meats because I find it disrespectful to God not to do so because He made the the most tasty ones slow and easy to catch, so obviously He intended for us to eat them second of all i'm a big big fan of natural sweeteners yeah I think that my mom a lot of people a lot of people know this a lot of people don't uh, My mom had pancreatic cancer in two thousand and seven. Hmm. Pancreatic cancer has a ninety-seven percent mortality rate. Yeah, ninety-seven percent. Usually, by the time they find out you have it, you're done. You're you're cooked. You're done within six weeks. You're you're Steve Jobs. Well, my mom beat it. That was ten years ago. She's still here. That's unheard of, man. It is, and it's an answered prayer and God's good for sure. Now here's here's the thing about this, and she will not. She listens to me, but I don't think it really sinks in. My mom and my entire family, really, they are all they're Southerners. I am too. It's frying and sugar, man. It, I'll tell you what it is. It's they are sweet tea drinkers. Yeah, they never. My mom drinks, you know, three sodas a month and and sweet tea, sweet tea, sweet tea, sweet tea, sweet it's tea. Good stuff, man. Well, I don't. I don't want to put sugar in it. She doesn't want sweet tea. She wants unsweetened tea with lemon, and then she'll sweeten it. And not only does she use artificial sweetener, but it's it's sweet and low. It's the stuff in the pink packets.
1: Yeah.
0: Do your research. That stuff's bad for you, man. Not only is it bad, sweet and low is the worst of the worst because it's the most cheaply produced. It has carcinogens in it. Mm-hmm. It has been proven over and over and over in, in lab tests. In lab rats, it's caused tumors. Oh, yeah. And I am utterly convinced because it's fake sugar. The pancreas is what deals with insulin yeah. production. Yeah. It has to deal with sugar. I am 100% convinced that all of those artificial sweeteners over the years is what contributed to her getting pancreatic cancer. So I, I hate artificial sweeteners. I will not use them. I don't give a crap about high fructose corn syrup. It processes the same way that sugar does. It yeah, doesn't bother absolutely- me. Uh, but when it comes to artificial sweeteners, and it's really not an art—I don't use any of them. But I like stevia. I yeah, think it's all tremendous. Good stuff. Yeah, it's natural and it's natural though. and yeah. it's not going to give me any trouble. So I'm a big you fan put, on that. If you do, t- is this it- our health food segment? I didn't know we were going
1: down this road. It's all they? good,
0: dude. Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah, I drink green tea every day, and yeah. it's it's stevia and lemon juice and. F- the um the fiber supplement every day.
1: Okay. Uh, musil, uh,
0: it's kind of like the um, Miralax. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe, but it's the it's Kroger's knockoff version oh, that's okay. about seven dollars cheaper it has a jar. Like a, it's um, it's like wheat dextrose, wheat dextrose fiber, yeah. and it's not flavored. Fiber it, one, kind of like it that mixes, yes, and it yeah. mixes into anything except carbonated beverages, and mm-hmm. you never know what's there. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that is great for your health. People need to use more of it. I don't think they do because I, I think they don't do it because they just don't care. Kombucha tea is good.
1: I've been drinking that stuff too. You know, that's hit or miss. You got to get the good stuff. I do. I I get the good stuff and it is good. Kombucha tea. It's got zero point five percent alcohol in it. Well, I think we've I think we've solved the mystery. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> um, we
0: uh, we got a little bit of difficult news at the gym tonight, and that was a little frustrating. I want to touch on that before we go any further. We found out that one of the members of our fight team, Ronnie Dominguez, had is. Uh, Due to life circumstances and, and work circumstances beyond his control, he's going to have to relocate to another part of the state again. This has happened before, but he's going to have to go again. So he's heading back up to the eastern panhandle. And uh, Ronnie, I know you're listening. It's not going to be the same uh, without you at the gym every week because Ronnie, and Steve, I know you agree with this, Ronnie is not just not just a good dude through and through, never trashes anybody uh, he fits right in with our, our madness. He's the straight man to all of our comedy because he just kind of sits there and takes it in and has a little jab at the end. Um, one of the best people I know and, and also one of the most hardworking people that I know. He's dedicated. He's devoted. He's loyal. He's there all the time. He works hard, and he's passionate about what he does in the sport. And
1: number one, that's getting harder to, hard, harder and harder to find. One of the best people I've ever met. I've never – Ever heard him say negative things about anyone? Really good sense of humor. Two dollar steak, Ronnie. That guy's probably one of the toughest guys I've ever. It's met. crazy. He's he's a very tough guy. Works like you said, hard. He works twelve hours at a coal mine after he trains. You know that's amazing. And to then me. somebody Still. somebody stabs him in the back and he gets laid off. So that's just how it is, I guess. Well, and that's a nice microcosm of life because that happens an awful lot. And we were th- we on that, and it's it's happened to me. It's happened to you. Mm-hmm. But you know, we can always just do what we do, and not go down that road. And you know, well, is and that's it is. kind of what we were talking
0: about a little bit tonight. And I said, when you when you become a part of of our fight family, it's not just a team. When you yeah. become a part of that and you are embraced as part of that, that doesn't go away just because you moved. No, of the, course distance, not. No. distance does not matter.
1: That hurt my feelings when he tried to give the key back. That, I was like, "What are you doing, dude?" I
0: told, I said, and yeah. I know he kind of felt weird. I am not going to be here. I said, and I told him after everybody left, I said, Ronnie, this this key is not just. For to let you in the door, it's a symbol. This is a reminder for when you're not, whenever you're in Martinsburg or wherever. This is a reminder that you can not only come back, but it's a reminder that we're still there. You have a key to the house, man. Absolutely, and you can, you just, you, if you're here, you come right on in. Yeah, Ronnie is is so dedicated to what he does and works so hard. He's passionate about boxing. I, at no point, I'm sure, did he ever jump into this and say, I'm going to go challenge Mikey Garcia for that WBC lightweight championship. He just does it because he loves it. But he comes in, and he loves it, and he's always trying to get better. And, uh, Ronnie, by no means is this the end of what we're going to do. Uh, I think things are going to work out for you to be back They're, soon. They'll work out. I really think so because it's hard to keep good people down, and uh, the people who do things – the wrong way, and uh, it's amazing, I say that names and faces, just rush to mind.
1: J.P. Stevens.
0: Uh, yeah, that'd be one of them. Um, things come around. Things come around, because, you know, that's one of my favorite Bible verses, as you sow, so shall you reap, God will not be mocked. So... Ronnie
1: Which I have my pen, I'm just coming back to me, you know.
0: Ronnie, somewhere. we're not we're we're not gonna forget about you. We're no. gonna miss you there every week, but uh you're still a part of what we do and if you're listening to the podcast you can at least keep track of what we're doing. Uh and television Day that I talked about earlier was yeah. December third. I got to participate in that, played mm-hmm. lock and chase for about an hour as as requested man I love my retro video games and uh hopefully here in the next month or so the interview with the Intellivisionaries podcast will be coming up so when that happens I should be able to share that on our channel or you can go listen to their listen to the whole episode on uh, on their website which is intellivisionaries.com check them out it's a great show if you love classic games especially if you're familiar at all with the Intellivision game system cuz it's that was the first one that was the first one I ever had but I yeah. I don't know. I miss, I miss the carefree days. I was talking to my brother about this. I miss the carefree video game days of just whatever you wanted to do. I mean, it, being 12 is... years old and saying, you know, it, it's, it's 75 degrees and sunny and we're off of school in the summer. So let's, uh, let's hop on the bikes and go right around Super town. Mobile, baby. And if it's raining, we can sit in the house and play Sega Genesis and NES <sighs> and not worry about all this adult foolishness. And I know it's cliche, We've all said it. We said it growing up. And yes, I can't wait until I'm grown up. I can't wait until I'm adult. Well, believe me, it sucks. It's worthless. It's terrible. And I would give anything to be that carefree again. Oh, gosh. Absolutely anything.
1: I miss it. The only thing I really had at the time was impulse control. (laughs) (laughs) I've really loved my life, but if. Something happened, then it happened, and if somebody crossed me, I'd just usually end up mm. doing something stupid, just punching something in the mouth. So, really? Yeah, it was... My impulse control
0: was bad. I find that really hard was, to believe, bad. except
1: not at all. Yeah, but I have really good control now.
0: <laughs> you, so. You know, you do. I can still see... Where it could happen. I can still see flashes when the wrong thing is said or the wrong thing is done and you sense injustice or... Yeah. It's for good now. Or an in, an incessant <laughs> level of stupidity, which... It's abound. Oh, yeah. th- you can't throw a rock and miss <laughs> it anymore, I'll tell you that.
1: This is a, you know, for what I see, you know, we'll call it a safe space or whatever. Oh, dear but God. But I feel like there's no... I mean, I feel free here just to talk about whatever the hell I want to. Well, and so. we talked about that in the first episode. And we do that anyway. I do that in the community or whatever, but you know, it's never anything negative, really. You know, so this is one place where we can do that, and we
0: don't have to worry about it because it is—it's the bastion of free speech. It's the last bastion of free speech as a podcast. But we kind of carry on that way anyway, and that doesn't mean that we're aggressive or that we are seeking to have a negative impact on anybody. We're just going to speak, speak freely. Because to me, I think you're doing yourself and other
1: people around you an injustice if you don't speak freely. Yeah, because and- you're just, I mean, that's the narrative right there. You know, we're going to put you in a hole, and you're not going to be personable. Uh, you're going to sit there the whole time. Yeah, I know I do it sometimes, but facing the phone. Oh, I hate that. I mean, you know, sometimes I do that, you know, if it's related to what we're doing here in the podcast. I'm trying to get some more listeners or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I mean, that, that personable contact you have, you know, I go to a lot of people's homes throughout the day, and it's it's good to kind of talk to people, you know. In Interaction, dialogue. Yeah. Unless you're a Hokies a law fan.
0: It's a lost art. Well, avoiding Hokies is just common sense at this point.
1: I try to make friends wherever I go. I want to get as personable as Absolutely. I can and personal as I can and, com- and connect with people in ways that they're not used to. I know? get a little
0: sick of
1: going to
0: dinner with with someone or with a, especially with a group of people. Mm-hmm. And you set across the table, if you check a phone for a text because you got a notification or there's a beep or something, that's one thing. Or, especially like if this. you're expecting something. If you're expecting communication because yeah. something's going on, that's one thing. But people who have their nose in the phone constantly. And Damn I mean man. constantly. You cannot live a technology saturated life. No. We have lost all ability to, to converse. People do not converse anymore. They text. They chat. They Snapchat. Mm-hmm. All these kind of things. And it has absolutely destroyed our culture. Mm-hmm. I am not someone that wants to go to dinner and watch you on your phone.
1: Yeah.
0: I find it to not just be annoying. I find it to be incredibly disrespectful. I have been in situations where it was me and one other person in a room. We were the only two people in the room, and instead of I don't know, looking over and talking about literally anything,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: phone, 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 scroll, 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 and I thought, I suck that bad. I would rather I would rather just leave. Mm -hmm. I would rather just leave because it is insulting, and I'm fairly certain that it was not. There was no intention.
1: Just normal, of making it seem that just way. Just normal behavior.
0: That's just how that is. But that, that doesn't mean that it's okay at all. Mm-hmm. And I just – I don't know. I just find that to be incredibly irritating. And this doesn't have – not every episode has to turn into the airing of the grievances. But at the same time, it's okay to speak out about that because that's just unacceptable. It is completely – I'm hoping this sounds good on the sound end because – It sounds good in the headphones, but I'm using a different mic setup tonight, so I'm going to have to see how It sounds good on my end. I'm going to have to see how this sets up on the recording, so we'll have to find out. A lot of crazy stuff in the news, and whenever we do – You're my uh, news
1: source. I don't listen to this shit no more. We'll probably
0: (laughs) – there are some things I have to keep track of and, and other things that I don't, but we'll get into some of the, the really hard-hitting news stuff with Jake because, believe me, you want to hear Jake Morris talk about current events. I don't
1: think I remember you talking about him very much. I don't think much.
0: you've met Jake. You know most of the stories that I tell you about what goes on in Section 103 harassing the other team? And yeah. It's usually him that's that's my counterpart in, oh, okay. in these behaviors. We'll tell some stories from 103. Next, Whenever we do the next episode and Jake's a part of it. Okay. We're going to talk about WVU's bowl game and the college football playoff and all that stuff. And we'll get into some more serious topics as well. But I had to bring this up. We're going to talk about a few different things whenever Jake's on. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kate Steinle verdict out in San Francisco. Oh, that's heartbreaking. We're going to talk about that verdict and how ridiculous oh, that is. Oh, we're going to talk about that's sickening. Uh, the move from the U.S. government to declare Jerusalem – To recognize Jerusalem as the official capital of Israel, which is what it should be, but let's face it, the U.S. is late on that. Somebody else has already declared Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That would be God did that um, several thousand years ago, and I would happen to believe him. At least we recognized it now. Yeah, and you know what? The Czech Republic did. (laughs) <laughs> they stepped up and said, we're going to do it, too. Yeah. Now, nobody else has, but I, I can appreciate that. So go Czech Republic. The lo- Far produce, East Coast. The Czechs produce some good fighters and a lot of really good tennis players, so I'm good with that. A lot of hot females. Yeah. I concur. Yeah. And, um, can I move there? We're also going to have a chat about the Daniel Shaver thing. Um, Speak about that, sir. I don't understand. I'll, who's I'll, who's, who's I'll, Daniel Shaver? I'll fill you in after the show. Am I an idiot um, for not knowing this? No, I don't think so. This was this is something that happened a year ago. The trial just finished up on what happened. Uh, um, I gotta know this. Now I'm gonna have to go. Ahead and it was. It, it is. Just do a search for justice for Daniel Shaver, and we'll talk about that next week. But what happened is absolutely criminal.
1: We could talk about it. The break, Somebody whatever.
0: should be in jail so you know the the guy who did this the cop who did this should be in jail it is one of the most absurd oh, disgusting things i've ever seen
1: i think i remember this yeah
0: and we'll we'll get into that as well but we'll talk about a lot of different things it's just it's just bad this episode is going to be a little bit more lighthearted we're going to talk boxing with Justin Navaria after the break but i did want to bring up one thing before we take a break and it is a moment that took place in our state steve about, I don't know, two or three weeks ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know if I've ever been more proud of a small child for what they did in this state. Now, I know you hear a lot of heroic stories. Uh, a five-year-old that pulls their little sister out from under a car. Yeah. You know, somebody that saves their sibling from drowning. All those kind of things. Steve's on his phone. Sorry, Matt, that was my fault. How many of you understand the concept of irony? Anyway... <laughs>
1: I was um, looking, I was really interested in that, this, what you saying. This
0: is what happened. And you can tell me if you like this or not, but I really did like it. And yeah, I'll fill you in on Daniel Shaver after the break. I, I think I watched this video. But but um, there was a four-year-old up in Harrison County, West Virginia, who was in a pre-K school. So getting ready to go to, go to kindergarten. Yeah. This four-year-old was reprimanded. A form was sent home. That you know, circles behavior, and this went on during nap time, and I ate my snack and everything. Yeah. They were reprimanded during um, during snack time. Do you know why they were reprimanded at four years old, Steve? Because they kept chanting, eat shit, pit.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder if their parents had anything. They were doing that at nap time?
0: Uh, or they were doing snack? that during snack time. Well, they I'm guessing. Did they had did they have a friend with the last name of Pitt or no, something? No, I'm guessing Dad. And well, first of all, West Virginia just played Pitt in basketball last week. So the game's been it was on the horizon at that time. And I'm guessing Dad and or mom are Big Mountaineer fans, and that has been heard at some point in the in the recent past. So, I'm guessing the teacher said, "All right, everybody, it's time to eat." And that's, oh, I love those children. I want to beat them. That's a trigger word. So yeah, I want Eat to. Shit, t- <laughs> I want to find this four-year-old who who got in trouble for yelling. Eat he shit. He started it. the
1: chant. He just gotta, started. He just started saying it repeatedly. I wonder if the ki- other kids joined in on it. Uh, if they have any sense, they did. He's a. He needs to run for president. This
0: kid's a hero. <laughs> He's a this hero. This kid is a hero. <laughs> so what I want to do is. I've, I was not going to get into this tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get into it a little bit. Then that is we'll
1: t- fucking glorious. We man. will
0: really talk about it next week with Jake. Oh. But ha- have you seen the thing about the kid that was bullied and his mom took the video of him in the car?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and he, he ended up being a racist or but something. But he's
0: gotten $60,000 sent to his yeah. GoFundMe thing. Yeah. I don't want that kid to get a dime. Didn't he like –
1: he went up to like a table full of
0: like uh, – uh uh yes. It went up to a bunch of minorities and started using yeah. ethnic slurs, hey, and that's what? why I hate, getting bullied. I hate
1: saying black. I hate saying white. I hate saying African-American because I'm not Irish-American. You're not whatever American. It's weird. You're, yeah, exactly. I agree. It just went up to a bunch of kids that, that are of another race and decided yes. he wanted to say racial slurs. Yes, and, and, yeah.
0: and that is learned. It is not natural. That is taught. Yeah. That is taught. So that's what happened. And oh, it, yeah. I mean but, we're not racist. But come the story on. doesn't come out. The story doesn't come out, and he gets sixty thousand dollars into the account because, and now mom can go buy a new car, uh, and celebrities are donating, and all this crap happens, and then the real story comes out, and look what
1: happens. He goes and hangs out with like a UFC fighter as well. They bring him to like mm-hmm. an event. And yeah. this and that. So here's um here's what I'm thinking.
0: I think this kid needs a GoFundMe account. Let's, let's go to divorce him. his parents. Oh no, I'm talking about this kid that was chanting eat shit pit. We need to start oh, yeah. him like a college fund. Let, let's make sure he is going to be okay. And if he grows up
1: – Hopefully he don't go to Pitt. He
0: won't. <laughs> not, not like that, I can guarantee Where is he from again? Harrison County.
1: Harrison County. That's up at to the top of the state
0: pretty much, right? It's up north. Yeah. So here's what I'm thinking. If Let's start him a GoFundMe and get him money. And if he ends up getting a, a scholarship and gets a full ride to WVU, <laughs> I say just give him the money. Just let him – and he can party. He Drinks are on the house. <laughs> For this kid, and you know why? Because he was raised right. I hope his parents take him to church every Sunday. Yeah. I hope he is a, 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 from a family of faith. I hope he has a personal faith. But believe me, it is okay to wake up and just go. You know what? Eat shit pit. He knows what's up. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. It's pretty yeah. Pretty so, yeah we there. need to we need to get that taken how, care of.
1: Now, how far? How close is this to, like, uh, snowshoe and Marlinton? How close is that? I don't know about an hour, hour and a half, something like that, maybe. So where would that be? Where's Marlinton at on there? You know,
0: it's south. I'm pretty sure it's south. We're not of too that. far. It's
1: about like right in here, somewhere. Somewhere right? like that. yeah. Pocahontas County.
0: This makes great radio, by the way. Whenever okay. we're whenever we're pointing <laughs> stuff out visually. <laughs> I'm on my sorry.
1: I'm pointing. I'm I'm pointing d- to- at Dave Market right now. We're
0: I'm just sorry. We're just trying to clarify. That's. It. I just.
1: Yeah. I just, these things. I should be waiting for a break, but I just can't.
0: You need to process them now so you can process everything else in a cleaner manner. Yeah. It's kind of like your dietary change, but not from a mental I, aspect. I can't wait. I understand. But uh, we're going to talk a lot of boxing tonight when we talk to Teddy Bear, and we'll talk about some other crazy stuff later on. I've got one. I've got another topic to bring up to Teddy Bear and get your organic reaction, because God only knows what his reaction to this is going to be, so I want to say this whenever he's on on the call with
1: us and... You're right. You've missed out on so much news. I haven't really. I'm telling you. I go to work, and if I'm lucky, I get back enough time to do something, you know, with as far as boxing, mm-hmm. which I've been able to do more often. Right. And I've – you know, we're the same way. We have waves of sleep and non-sleep. Yes. I am on, Insomnia. A, I am on a wave of sleep right oh, now. Oh, man, that's great. And I know you're hating on it in, in a way.
2: No, because, not
1: at all. Because you, you know. Because our waves differ. I, I will would sleep, not, you won't sleep, then you'll sleep, and I won't sleep. I wouldn't wish it on
0: anybody. I would, the stuff like this that happens, I would not wish this on anyone.
1: So I want if, you to get sleep, man, because I'm telling bad. you, it, I have slept for two weeks now. And that I mean, I don't know if it's part of the dietary change we were talking about or maybe just where I'm able to sleep because I'm still consuming caffeine like just whatever right. you know I had a ass load of caffeine today I don't even know I was waiting for my heart to explode I was wanted to feel pal- palpitations but I never did um, but I mean I I want you and Dave to sleep man cuz I don't know it's it's hard you know and I know I've, I've dealt with this since I was a baby and I know you have too you know it sucks
0: to give you an idea of how truly out of control it's been in the last 5 days and this is this is this is true in the last 5 days I have been awake at 5:30 a.m. without having been to sleep.
1: That what are night.
0: you doing? Usually, just laying
1: there for hours and going, "This is awful." So, are you even are you engaged in uh, provocative thought at all? Or are you just? I mean, usually looking, it's
0: just it's just angry thoughts because I can't sleep, and it, it starts to build on itself. When you deal with anxiety, things snowball quickly. Oh. So I couldn't sleep last night. I took a melatonin and drank one of the teas that helps me sleep. Yeah. yeah. And I was still 4 o'clock, 4.30. Drowsy, not li- sleeping. Not even drowsy. I was wide awake. And I'm my mind races anyway a lot of times, yeah. so I'm not just going to lay there and let that happen. So I figure I'm going to do something. You have to find something I'm going to gonna be do. productive. So this is where I want to say a major thank you, and I've mentioned them so many times on this show, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to say another thank you to the people at the Bob and Tom show because they have Bob and Tom 24-7. Mm-hmm. So I can turn on that app and listen to highlights of that show 24 hours and a day. Laugh. And I just laugh. And I said, if I'm going to sit, sit here and be up for hours on end, I'm at least going to have a smile on my face. And it's going to make the time that I'm having to stay up pass by a little faster. So I'm at least thankful for that. So it's a nightmare. The good news is I'm going to be able to do a lot more work with audio stuff, and I'm going to make these things sound better and I'm going to get better with production and learn a lot more techniques and that's going to that's going to help us all yeah. and that's really what we want but um it's funny we just covered this much time and really it turned into Seinfeld because we talked about nothing we talked about absolutely nothing but at least we got a lot of stuff out. But we this got is, into it. This was cathartic. It's all about releasing things and putting it out there. Yeah, this I is mean,
1: this is therapy more than anything else. It is, and it's <laughs> therapy that's that's of, that's publicly available to anybody that wants to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if you are listening to this and you ever want to get involved in it, it's it's fun. It is, and like we're saying, it's therapy, and the judgment's not going to be there. I mean, you know, if we have any issues or whatever, we'll talk about it. Like civilized adults but to be able to actually be engaged in something like this is, is really fun so if you ever think about doing that um please do it's i think you'll really enjoy it
0: well i'll tell you one other thing that we learned the most important lesson we learned in the first half of the show is you uh you don't blue light a hokey wall no that is no. the most important thing no, that no we black learned. light on a hokey wall and you probably don't want to put a black light on a hokey. That's as
1: nasty nice as a black light on a hokey wall.
0: <laughs> or I'm telling you, you don't want to black light a hokey because that is not going to go well at all. No, like why are those – what? Oh no! Just avoid them. Just avoid them at all costs and you will have Chris a better time. Chris Hansen made result.
1: a career. They didn't say where those people went to school. That's a good point. But they all – Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
0: they. we know where they went to school. I made a meme. I'll have to say I'll, – I'll post it on the Twitter page. Yeah. Um, I made a meme that had Chris Hansen on it, and it just said the most hated man on
1: Virginia Tech's campus.
0: <laughs> to catch a predator, that's not Actually,
1: a... he's probably not the most hated man because after he catches them, they just take their football career there and they're good to go. You know, that's, that is that is kind of true. Yeah, they'll that take anything.
0: You know what's funny about that? And then we're going to go to a break. Chris Hansen <laughs> ended up getting busted. Messing around uh. on his wife with another chick by a private investigator. <laughs> was she of age? Yes, she was. Cool. But it's just funny. <laughs> he, he made a career off of that show and doing those things, and then he gets popped for the same, for the same thing except she was of age. I
1: Got can't believe it. these disgusting people. <laughs> it's always just like the people that have so much disdain for things that they're around, you know, yeah, that they I see it right. as wrong, and they're like,
2: but I'll, I will predator.
1: hide behind evil so I can do evil things. But he wasn't a predator. No. Oh gosh! Well, that was an interesting. What well, he first did, half. he might have been predatory, was cheating on his wife. That's true, but but at least
0: she was eighteen, from what we know of. Yes, and there was no dog fighting involved. Vic family. <laughs> uh, well, that was an interesting first half of the show. Dog fighting, hokey walls, veganism, oh, all kinds of topics. When we come back, we'll be talking to Justin Navario. We're going to set up that Skype call. We'll talk to him. Fair warning, one of his best friends. Is Eric Slocum. We don't know what's going to come out of his <laughs> mouth. But the teddy bear joins us when we come back with the second half of Episode 9 of Apex Live right after this. Hills presents in
1: television, Intelligent television by Mattel. More sophisticated than any video game that has come before. Providing hours of entertainment for the entire family television with one of the clearest game displays available today find this system plus a complete line of sports and video game cassettes at hills where our game is low prices every day
0: it's the second half of episode nine of apex live i'm brad that's steve hello Joining us now live via Skype from his home in Zanesville, Ohio, it's the one and only professional professional heavyweight amateur porn star, as it says on his Boxing Unfiltered profile. It's Justin Navaria. Justin, welcome to Apex Live. What's
2: going on? I'm on Skype, but I got my clothes on. It's kind of weird.
0: Well, that's okay. This is an audio podcast, so we don't need too much information. Yeah. No, it's all fine. Uh, T Bear, you've been out of action in terms of being in the ring for a little over a year now, but that's certainly not been your own decision. <laughs> um, we'll talk a little bit about your last misadventure for getting in there and fighting, which took place last week, actually here in West Virginia, in one of the more remote areas of our state, down near the Kentucky border. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna we're just gonna talk boxing because you are not just a fighter; you're a boxing historian. You're a boxing aficionado. We talk about every fight. When it happens, usually as it happens, and there's been a lot going on so far in the month of December. Uh, The first thing that happened was the last fight for a Puerto Rican legend and certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's Miguel Cotto, who went out after a decision loss to Saddam Ali in a fight that a lot of people think either Cotto won, could have been a draw. Um, Just first of all, your thoughts on that fight with Ali.
2: Um, I think it was a bad decision to go out with Saddam Ali to begin with. I mean, because he's young, he's hungry, and he's pretty damn good. And I think Miguel lost the fight. I just think a lot of people hung up on the nostalgia of Miguel Cotto, and it was in the house Cotto built. Mm -hmm. That's basically his home, only one loss. MSG, and it was the Austin Trout, who I called that as well. I don't want to brag or nothing. That was a, but, that was
0: a horrible fight for him, too. That was a terrible decision to fight Austin Trout, especially at that point in oh, his career.
2: Yeah, no doubt.
0: That was just awful. Trout
2: was bigger, left-handed, awkward as heck, and then Trout did absolutely nothing with his career after that. That was sad.
0: He was never the same. Was it Canelo that knocked him out? Or, or that beat him up really bad and hit him with that big that big shot that yeah. wilted him and twisted yeah. him up, and it looked like he broke his leg.
2: Yeah, he he did the Zab Judah shuffle. Yeah, he was on
1: Queer Street for a little bit.
0: <laughs> I keep forgetting that that's called the Zab Judah shuffle.
1: Yeah, the Judah shuffle.
0: But that I thought that was a very interesting fight, just in how it played out, because Cotto looked very good early, even though he got rocked a couple of times. And that's really the, the point that I took from the fight, that win or lose – Cotto, who normally, unless he was fighting Margarito with loaded wraps, or if he was fighting Manny Pacquiao at the top of his form, was almost indestructible. And he was getting yeah. hit by a guy who was not really a big power puncher, and he was getting rocked, he was having trouble, and it just it just did not work well for him at all, and that was, that was troubling to see. So I think no matter what, win-lose-draw for him, I know he had the torn bicep that really affected him, I think he got out at the right time, and I think that's the biggest thing for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, you could definitely see his age in there. I mean, he's not a real old guy, but boxing age is completely different yes. from your physical age as well. Yeah, he and is, you could he's just, boxing you could old. See, you could see yeah, he just the punishment he used to be able to take, he couldn't take anymore. So I, I agree 100%. It was time for him to get out. I would have liked to see him got on a win with a little bit softer opposition, but, I mean, it is what it is. He went out like a champ, so you can't, can't get mad at him about that.
0: Well, looking back now, I think a lot of people, and again, maybe this was nostalgia. Maybe it was people who were hoping to get, get the rubber match in and see one last great vintage performance. A lot of people wanted to see that third fight with Margarito. And looking at how vulnerable he was, even Margarito is at his worst. is a warrior. He's going to come forward and he's going to hit hard. So looking at it now, Margarito probably could have won that fight if Miguel was as damaged as he appeared in that fight. So I'm kind of glad that didn't happen now.
2: Yeah, but I mean, Margarito also is no no spring chicken either. No, he's not. I, he's got, got the glass, glass eye to too.
0: He does yeah, still have the glass eye. About,
2: I don't think he'd be able to deliver it like he used to.
0: Maybe not, but if he's got those loaded hand wraps and the commission's not on top of their game, there's no telling what they might be able to pull off. Let's be let's be fair about
2: that. Yeah, but yeah, but if it's Cotto across the ring, you know he's going to have 16 people watch him wrap his hands.
0: Well, you would sure hope so. Um, Teddy Bear, what's yeah. your favorite Miguel Cotto memory?
2: My favorite Miguel Cotto. Memory. Yeah, what,
0: what's the fight um, that if you, you know you're putting together the boxing time capsule, Steve? Answer that. You can answer this one next. What is? What's the the fight for Miguel Cotto that you're going to put into the the boxing time capsule for him? It's the fight you would have playing on his display at the Hall of Fame that says this encapsulates who Cotto was, what he did. Maybe not even his best performance, but the one that you would put together and say this exemplifies who Miguel is.
2: Probably the Judah fight.
0: Hmm, that's an that's a good pick, that's a very good pick. Because,
2: I mean, that just it proved to me it proved who he was. He stopped him late. I think it was like ten or eleven, right? And Judah Judah was he wasn't gone yet. He wasn't like the old Zab Judah. Of course, he wasn't like Super Prime Judah either. He had a few losses, but he was still Judah. He right. was Zab Super Judah. Super quick little crafty southpaw, and Miguel Cotto just put a hurt on him.
0: He did. It, so, it, you're right. It. He wasn't that Zab Judah that was before the Costia Zoo debacle, and and he was probably at the same level that he was when he took the first four rounds off of Floyd Mayweather, and then the wheels flew off. And to see Cotto do what he did, I thought, fit very well. Steve, your pick.
1: Garcia. Who? Um, for the championship when he fought Garcia. Did Cotto fight Garcia? Yeah. What Garcia? Yeah. Which Garcia did he fight? Sergio. Oh, Martinez. Sergio, bad. My, my bad. Martinez. Sergio Martinez. Martinez. Sergio you... Garcia
0: is a golfer. My bad. I'm an idiot.
1: <laughs> I, I like boxing, but sometimes I'm a little uh, CTE-ridden. Oh, I know that's my. So I like what I liked about that was where he used uh, his left-handed style against him. Mm-hmm. He stepped in opposite foot, Very stepped inside so. through the inside left hook, caught mm-hmm. him, destroyed him.
0: That was that was one of those performances that even though you knew Sergio may have an injured knee, may have mm. this or that, whatever, yeah. you knew that this was going to be the fight that ended Sergio's career yeah. because it was so. And Miguel looked vintage Miguel that night. I this, think he
1: was he was so smart in that fight. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I just like I loved his intelligence in that. So. The the
0: one that I think I would put in the time capsule for Cotto, looking back as a retrospective, and it's not just because of his performance but it's because of what that fight meant, is the rematch with Margarito. Mm -hmm. And you go into that fight knowing full well, not only is this redemption for him because of what happened in the first fight, this is going out and proving that the accusations were correct. Mm -hmm. This was Miguel having to save his own career from something that, let's face it, was not his fault. Talking about the wraps, the uh
1: yeah, absolutely concrete gloves,
0: and I think it proved absolutely even though even though the loaded hand wraps were discovered before Margarita went out and got completely destroyed by Shane Mosley, yeah, there's been enough evidence that has been analyzed after the fact that pretty well proves that those those wraps were loaded before his fight with Cotto and the plaster of Paris, the pink. Uh, the pink area showing outside of the hand wraps after that f- fight with kodo and some high res photos it's it's pretty obvious what happened but not to mention what happened in the fight as the as the punishment piled up and let 's face it that fight probably took a year off of kodo 's career, yeah in one fight because of what happened, so going into that fight, it was such a big deal, all the attention was was on on Miguel that night. Not even so much Margarito, because everybody knew what they were getting with Antonio. It was going to be, is Miguel going to be the same mentally? Is he going to be able to go in and perform after what happened the first time? Is he going to fight overly aggressive because of that? Is he going to fight smart? Is he going to fight scared? Nobody really knew what to expect going into that fight. And for him to go in there and perform as well as he did, the crowd behind him, I will never forget that intro. With Seven Nation Army blaring, and he came walking to the ring, and he (laughs) looked as focused as I have ever seen him looking for a fight, and even when he got to fight in Puerto Rico in front of his own people, um, and he had family there, and and this was before his dad passed away, and and all of those performances, that fight is the one for me that I think just sums up Miguel Cotto. He did not have to take that fight again. There are plenty of fighters who could have said, look, he loaded his wraps last time. For all I know, they won't catch him next time. I'm not fighting him again. He's a cheater. He doesn't deserve another fight with me, especially Mm -hmm. after he got the brakes beat off of him by Mosley and Pacquiao. And he took the fight, and then he took the fight to Margarito. He put on a show, he put on a clinic, and he beat him up, up one side and down the other and effectively removed Margarito from ever being anything worthwhile in the sport yeah. as far as being marketable ever again. And I thought that was really the one that that did well for me, and I, I think that's the one that I'd put in the time capsule for him. So we're going to m- miss Miguel Cotto. I know we all are because win or lose, he was always a pleasure to watch, and there's a reason why he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Where does he rank for you i mean yeah. where in terms of of your life around the sport, where does he rank for you? Is he a favorite for you? Is he someone that you always made made a point to go out of your way to watch not even just because it was a big fight but because he was fighting or is he someone that you could take or leave because i've I've heard a lot of diff- dissenting opinions on this. There are a lot of people that we know because of the boxing gun filtered message board that would rather watch his wife at ringside than watch him fight that's arguable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean
2: yeah, that's that's true but no I've I've always loved Miguel Cotto just because he's a warrior and you got to respect guys like that. And to touch on something you said earlier, he didn't have to take the Margarito fight, but the man he is, he did have to take that fight. After it came out in the Mosley fight that they thought Margarito was packing his wraps for that fight, and then now he could have packed them for the Cotto fight. In your mind, when you're a fighter like Miguel Cotto, you have to have that rematch. You have to know was he the better man or did he cheat me? Right. And just Miguel Cotto, yeah, like like I said, he's a warrior and you got to love Warriors. I always made it a point to watch Cotto fights. And um, another thing, like you could contemplate that Alfonso Gomez might have ruined him before the Margarito fight, but. Yeah, that's yeah,
0: I mean, true. That's, that's, that that that's possible. Was a joke.
2: That was a joke. I was waiting for a laugh,
1: but. <laughs>
0: I didn't expect to hear an Alfonso Gomez mention here tonight. I think I, it just you <laughs> caught me off guard. Wasn't I think he that's on, like problem. one of
1: the shows or something like <laughs> well, that. Well, who, Alfonso
0: Alfonso Go- was who he fought right or right.
2: margarito. That's
0: right. Alfonso so. Gomez was on was he on the contender? He was on the contender. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah that he was, was the contender. Oh my god. And he also fought Sal Alvarez too. He fought Canelo.
0: Is Lo- is he the one No, that was Josecito Lopez that embarrassed Victor Ortiz.
2: Yeah, and then jumped another weight class. He jumped a weight class to fight Ortiz, broke his jaw, then jumped another weight class said, no, F you, I'll take the fight you were going to take, and then just got obliterated by Alvarez. I mean, Alfonso got obliterated by him too, don't get me wrong, but Jose Zito Lopez, it was awful. He had, no, he
0: had no business taking the fight, but I admire him so much for jumping up that far to take it just because It was a challenge, and it was a challenge that nobody else wanted to take on, and that is, I think, a pretty interesting segue going into our next topic, which is the fight that took place last week. The highly anticipated and utterly disappointing to most people, not me, and I know not you, uh, Vasily Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeau fight that was on ESPN, (laughs) and I'm glad because that had no business on pay-per-view. That's a fight that I think we talked about as a dream matchup for years. We talked about it at Apex a lot for a year before it even happened. Mm -hmm. And then it looks like it's finally going to happen. The anticipation sets in, and then you realize, this isn't going to be a fight. Lomachenko's going to kill him. I mean, I would have bet my house on that fight. And sure enough, the fight gets here. You and I talked about this fight. Steve and I talked about this fight coming up. And we all, as a consensus, we all picked Lomachenko to win that fight. I don't think anybody certainly not any of us expected him to make Loma Ching to make Rigondeau Rigondeau like quit. Yeah. I mean, I figured he'd yeah. beat him one-sided. I never dreamed he would make one of the top 5 Cuban fighters in the history of the sport in that country and that that storied amateur program quit after 6 rounds. And you can talk yeah. about the injured hand whatever. Teddy Bear you fought <laughs> with a broken hand against Sean Conway. We're not we'll get into the Sean Conway thing in a minute. But I mean, come on. He quit after six rounds, and those, those were six rounds that were not close at no, all. not at all. What did you expect going into the fight? How did it play out according to what you expected?
2: Um, I expected exactly what was going to happen, except I did not expect him to quit. I expected him to stop him. I think it was me and you that were talking, and I predicted predicted Lomachenko to stop him by five. It may have been me and Eric, but I thought it was me and you.
0: Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, It may have been you and Eric, but we we talked more about the technical aspects of the fight.
2: Yeah, but I I expected, I just thought Lomachenko was too big. When you have two fighters that are so similar, like their skill sets were both so superior to everybody in their division, and then you put them together, of course that extra eight pounds is going to mean the difference in the world. Because everyone's like, oh no, he's too good, it's that weight... Ain't going to mean nothing, but when you got two guys that are that good, and then a guy's coming from two weight classes below, of course that that's going to make a lot of difference. But I expected basically how it went down. Lomachenko is just a freak, man. I think he has like 10 second foresight into the future or something because he misses punches that shouldn't be missing him. It's, it's just, the it's the matrix. It's ridiculous.
0: He's
1: Neo in the Matrix. Yeah,
0: it makes no sense how he can dodge yeah. those those moves. Yeah,
2: he, he takes the red pill for sure.
1: It <laughs> didn't matter how much he weighed; he could have. Ben 10 pounds on it, ring it out, and beat him like that, it wouldn't matter, I don't think.
2: I think
0: it's easy to look at size, especially in the lower weight classes, and really focus on how much of a difference it'll make because eight pounds at heavyweight's not going to be a big deal. Eight pounds in the lower weight classes is such a bigger percentage of total body mass, Mm -hmm. and the physics are changed so much. I think the biggest difference in the fight—
1: That should have hindered his movements more then, you know what I mean? Very
0: true. You know? I think the biggest difference in the fight for me was was pretty simple, and that is how many times have you heard it? It's one of the oldest adages in the sport. Styles make fights. Yeah, for sure. And Lomachenko is going to he he uses angles. Rigondeaux uses angles. Rigondeaux's defense is excellent. So is Lomachenko's. The difference has always been offensive output. There's a reason why people want Lomachenko on TV and they don't want Rigondeau on TV. It's because Rigondeau <laughs> will not get on the gas. He has the tools to do it. He refuses to do it. He's going to set back and fight his fight, and not worry about it. And I, we talked about this a year ago when this fight was just a uh, just a twinkle in everyone's eye, and said the best outcome that this could have for Rigondeaux is he loses a decision because he's just going to get outworked mm-hmm. for twelve rounds. And we didn't really know the yeah. impact that Lomachenko's offense would have. This was the biggest point in the fight for me. I remember it was in the sixth round, and the fight was was stopped at the end of six. But it was the announced team did not notice this. I've not heard any writers mention it or anything. It was probably a minute into the fight or a minute into the round, and Lomachenko clips him with a, with a short left hand. And Rigando's trying to, trying to defend in, in space, but, but do, do so tightly. And he gets clipped with a left hand. And suddenly, that rhythmic footwork and that, that slide around that he was doing, he wasn't doing it anymore. He was standing stationary, and you could see in his eyes he was buzzed. He wasn't really, really hurt. He wasn't wobbly, but he was buzzed. And Rigondeaux has never felt that as a pro. And he probably didn't feel it much as an amateur. It just did not happen. And I remember seeing that from him, and I thought, why aren't the announcers figuring this out? And then I realized, well, Teddy Atlas is setting at home, and we're having to listen to idiots like Stephen A. Smith and, the, and Tim Bradley, yeah. who, God bless him, is just not a very electric commentator. It and sucks. I'm not sure who that writer is that they had Steve as the a. third Smith man. Sucks. Stephen A. Smith is he's at least idiot. he's at least he's got a little bit of energy to him. The writer that That's they're his. having on that team his as hype man is all he is. All the time. he carries the boombox in the entourage. That's all he does. But. The the writer they had yeah, was but he doesn't dreadful. even play
2: the right song.
0: <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> no, no, he does not. I bet you're right. He doesn't. He doesn't play the right song. He probably ends up playing circus music because everything he does
2: he ca- turns he into that. Called Ali Finucca a nobody. He was a world champ, you idiot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he thinks anyone that he's not heard of is a nobody. He just, he needs to stick exactly. to what he does, which is Talk. talking about the NBA. And doing so on a show that nobody watches in the middle of the day on ESPN2. Nobody cares. He yeah. has no business on that broadcast. Was and it I, and him
1: I, and like Shannon Sharp or something like that now? Or something uh, it, like
0: that or? Skip Bayless. What? It used to be him and Skip Bayless, and now Skip Bayless went to FS1 and he's got the show with Shannon Sharp. Oh, okay. That's why I figured it But One Stephen of them A. Happened. Smith is still around, and I don't know who he's doing the show with, but I can guarantee you it's unbearable, unwatchable, and totally worthless. Just I don't like watch he you. is. <laughs> But I I couldn't figure it out. Why are you not – you're sitting five feet away. How can you not see that he was buzzed and he was hurt? And as I was putting that into my notes on my scorecard, because I do all my scorecards in Excel, I look up and Rigondeaux's looking at his hand and and they're stopping the fight. And anyone with any sense – I know people are going to complain on on Facebook and on social media and say – well, you're not in there, so you don't know. You can't, you can't make fun of somebody for quitting. We're not making fun of you. We're we're around boxing, and we know. If you're fighting at that level on that stage for these reasons, and you look for that way out, you're doing so because you're getting whitewashed. You've already been penalized for excessive holding.
1: It's character flaws, all it
0: is. You've already really. gotten smacked around for six rounds. You're looking for a way out, and that's exactly what he did, and I found that to be completely yeah. disappointing. Completely disappointing. This this is one Steve I'm look I'm looking forward to your input Justin you too Steve I'll start with you. Yeah. The rumored fight right now there are two fights being rumored within a couple of weight classes of each other. And one of them is Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor <laughs> which uh, of which I will not even I will not even bring this podcast down to that level by talking about this when it's only at rumor stage. I don't really want to talk about it even if it gets signed. But I won't even bring that up because that's insulting. The other one that's being talked about is the one that really intrigues me, and that is a Manny pacquiao Vasily Lomachenko fight at 135 pounds. Freddie Roach says that Manny can make 135 comfortably. I believe him because Pacquiao has to pack so many calories into his diet on a daily basis during fight camp just to stay at 147 because he's naturally so much smaller. That's a fight that's intriguing, Pacquiao. You know, he's a, he's a little older. He's 35, 36 now, but he's still Manny Pacquiao. He's still fighting well. I thought he got screwed against Jeff Horn. What do you think about a Pacquiao-Lomachenko fight?
1: Lateral movement is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good, linear, you know, coming forward, being an aggressive fighter. He has good little quick turns, but overall I don't think he has a 360-degree fighting style for somebody that's tight, mid range, and in close like uh, Lomachenko is. So age also plays a factor in that, I'd say. So. Justin, your thoughts?
2: stupid stupid fight that's like the dumbest dumbest fight i've ever heard in my life i'm sorry man i love manny pacquiao i've been a pacquiao fan for a long time ever since he took um man what was the dude's name when he um when he won the 118 belt on um showtime on like a week notice
0: oh oh that was on guy's an, name, that was on an hbo pay-per-view i think when he he just jumped out oh, of nowhere it? and and that was back when he still had no right hook all he had was that big straight left hand.
2: And, yeah, and like, all he had, yeah, super fast one, two is all he had, and <laughs> he used the shit out of it. Yes, he did. But, um, but no, all, all I can think with that fight is if an old ass Juan Manuel Marquez was able to walk Manny into traps and set Manny up the way he did with his boxing ability, a Vasil Lomachenko, who was Basically, a better version of an old Juan Manuel Marquez with a lot more tools is just going to make Manny look stupid. That's a bad fight for an old Manny. Manny's a legend. He needs to take an easy payday and get out of there.
0: So you think he needs to take and, an easy payday like McGregor?
2: Yeah. like that's. I've been in so many arguments over, just because of the rumors of that fight. I won't right. speak too much on it because... You don't want to bring the podcast down. I get that. It's, it's, <laughs> we'll talk it's about it if it, if it does about.
0: happen. If it happens, we'll talk about it.
2: But, yeah, he needs to – I've been in arguments because everybody's like, oh, no, he needs to retire before he takes a McGregor fight. Why? Oh, he has bled for you. He has sweat for you. Let the man make $100 million to fight a chump and go retire with his wife and be a politician or do whatever the hell he wants to do down in the Philippines. Let him do that. What, like, what right do you have to say that he – needs to retire before making a hundred million dollars. No. He let him take that easy payday. He's bled for us. He's sweat for us. He shed tears for us. He's been knocked out cold for us. Had a hundred memes made. <laughs> My favorite the Hulk Hogan leg drop and him after the that, one that one was Manuel Martins fight. That was a w it's just I mean, the man has been ridiculed and he's been made a hero all in the course of his career. I mean, just let him ride into the sunset with an easy fight. Don't don't feed him to the wolves like Lomachenko. Lomachenko has plenty of other young, hot prospects to make his name off of. Don't fe- don't feed the legend to him. That's just that's dumb. I agree.
1: So I see him taking this McGregor fight, hopefully trying to be mean, destroying him, and setting up another fight with him and Floyd just for another money fight.
0: Yep, we were ta- we were talking about that the other night, and that that's really the point that I've come down to on this is. Big monies. He and Mayweather and McGregor, they have, I think they've all realized now they can make money. Off we can stay in one big circle and fight each other and make nine figures like it's nothing. And the re the reasoning that I and I, I talked to Steve about this a couple of days ago, and my reasoning on this is actually fairly simple. McGregor has already been proven that he's that he's vulnerable, but he can at least hang in and he can talk a good game. Mm-hmm. Pacquiao is the only recognizable name. That McGregor can fight and make a similar paycheck as what he did with Mayweather the first time. Certainly, yeah. the work promotionally has already been done for him to fight Pauly Malignaggi. Oh. But nobody's going to pay Paulie that much sucks. money. But nobody's going to pay that much money to watch McGregor fight Malignaggi. Let's face it, Paul has won multiple world titles. McGregor would be the A side on that fight. I think and he's zero and one as a pro. That, I think he'd win. <laughs> that's ridiculous. And right now, McGregor might beat him. If we're going to be totally honest about it. But with that said, I think the I think the primary purpose of this is to go in, set up that fight. Pacquiao knocks him out. Probably. Pacquiao knocks and doesn't just knock him out. He beats him faster mm-hmm. than Mayweather did. First round not and clear. does so yeah. does so more emphatically. After doing so. Wow,
1: you couldn't do this to him.
0: The conversation already starts, and it's, wow, Pacquiao knocked him out faster than Floyd did. Floyd's vulnerable. Maybe Pacquiao's shoulder really was hurt because a lot of people doubted that. I don't, but a lot of people doubted that the first time around. So now the work has already been done to promote a second fight between the two. Mayweather, reports are already leaking out. Mayweather's already back in the gym. He's already training hard in Vegas again. So obviously something is going to be coming up. We know he's not going to fight the winner of Canelo and Golovkin. There's no way he'll do that. He wants safe safe fights for safe money. And the only way to do that is to fight another fight with Pacquiao because if Pacquiao wins, it sets up the rubber match. They'll fight a third time because you, now you've got to settle the score. There's not going to be a Mayweather-McGregor, too, unless McGregor does something to vindicate himself for stepping into the ring, and that would be beating Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. So if that would happen, that fight happens and you have you have to deal with Mayweather McGregor too and that won't be mentioned at all on this podcast if that happens so you, <laughs> you you put all of those things together and you realize what the game is if you want to know the story of anything and this is true of politics it's true with anybody in their personal mm-hmm. life it's true of of boxing sport any sport whatsoever follow the money if you follow the money you'll start to to put a lot of pieces together and it's just it's just infuriating. I think the biggest key for me in in a Lomachenko Pacquiao fight is the fact that everything Pacquiao was at his prime that made him special, Lomachenko is and he's better at it. Yes. And I think Lomachenko stops him in the same way that I think Lomachenko stops Pacquiao the same way Marquez did. And I think it looks a lot like the shot that Lomachenko knocked out Roman Martinez with. That counter shot, quick little turn off the ropes, and just obliterate him. I think that could absolutely happen. It's that kind of a fight. Teddy Bear, you were about to step in the ring last weekend in Williamson, and That's some nice. shenanigans took place. Why don't you fill us in on what happened from the time you took the fight on short notice, who you were supposed to fight, and then what happened when you got there. Tell us the story.
2: Um, I'll set the scene for you. I'm super, super sexy trim, 305 pounds. I haven't done anything since December. And of 2016. I was going to uh, say Dece- I was going to
0: say December of which year? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, t- 2016. Um, technically, I didn't do anything like three months before that fight. So if you want to get real technical, it was way back into 2016. But um, no, anyway, I was happily retired, kind of a little bit restless, but I get a call on Wednesday night. Said, "Hey, do you want to fight Luke Loin?s He's a five and one. I wouldn't call him young because he's old, but prospect from down your guys' way.
0: Now he's what? And, he, he's um, from Ashland, Kentucky. Okay. Lions. Oh, he's, he's he's what? Is he six and one or six one and
1: one? He's like six. Five, I think he's I think.
2: five and one. Is he five and one? Okay. I think he's five and one with four knockouts. I think or three knockouts. Gotcha. Big bodybuilding looking looking dude, just the type I like. But um, I always seem to fight the dudes that look like Hercules.
1: He kind of looks like Hercules.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, but anyway, they called me on Wednesday night and said, hey, do you want to fight Luke Loins? And have you been training? I ignored the training question. I said, yeah, I'll fight Luke Loins. Right. And um, they well, said, that's... all right. I said, but you got to pay for my blood work. And so they're like, all right, fine. Yeah, we'll pay for your blood work. So I skipped sleep. I work midnight shift. I skipped sleep Thursday to go get my blood work for these guys. I get it. And then they want then it's Friday morning and I don't work on Fridays, and me and my wife are out having lunch, and I get a phone call. Hey, are you coming down for weigh-ins? Which was in like two hours. That's like a four-hour drive for me. And I said no. That's at least four hours for
0: you. That that's four and a half easy from Zanesville because you've got to come down to Charleston and then yeah. leave your way into the middle of nowhere. The butthole of
1: yeah, uh... it, it, yeah.
2: That's I was about to say it wasn't a butt crack of something. It was crazy,
1: freaking hazardous. Like man. you could
2: see the see the entire town from 119. It was. That's true. It was bad. I, we were we went past Logan. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the deepest I've ever been into West Virginia before."
0: You didn't even know and, there was uh, anything past Logan. I don't think. No, that's, I a, didn't. that's as far I, as you've I ever the been. The world
2: ended at Logan.
0: That's true. Flat earth. What, Williamson <laughs> yeah, I is I right. Play
2: hashtag #flat earth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Williamson is right at the edge. It's right on the border of Kentucky. You can throw a rock from the venue for the fight and bounce it into Kentucky with no problem. So that's oh, no, that we had you to find idea. an
2: ATM, and we had to go to Kentucky to get an ATM. Oh, my gosh. And you are talking about the yeah.
0: machine, not the act.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, the machine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked the lady working working the desk. I was like, do you know where there's an ATM And She repeated it back to me like it was a question. ATM.
1: I'm, I'm only kidding. Uh.
2: <laughs> i was i was like is there a gas station don't gas stations usually have them i don't know down here and eric was with me and he was losing it <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: i i, I imagine he was. was
1: one of them damn money putters you're talking about huh
2: <laughs> money pewter <laughs> yeah, yeah that she looked at me like puzzled like atm hmm so I, I just i looked at eric i was like just google it man because I didn't have any service. I didn't have any service like 20 minutes before we got there. No, was there was
0: no cell phone service in Williamson. I remember that years ago. I, I was down there at the end of, well, actually about this time of year in 2012, and there was no cell service. And that's been five years ago, and apparently nothing's changed. So you go, you finally get there. Luke Lyons is your opponent, and everything, as far as you know, was set to go. You had a contract signed. They had the contract signed. The fight had been approved by the commission. You walk in the door. What happens?
2: Yeah, Friday night, before I even drove down, I, I asked him, I was like, we're good to go. He said, yes, we're good to go. So we get down here after driving forever, and um, I walk in, and the commissioner is just like throwing a tantrum. He's like, well, I got three guys on suspension. I don't even know if they're going to be able to fight, and sorry, I just want to get angry. I, I you do, sound just, just like J.P. Acting.
1: Stevens. I'm sorry. So is this the but, commissioner or
0: is this the deputy commissioner who is who is in charge of the event for the evening? The
2: deputy commissioner. I just uh-huh. I say commissioner. Yeah. I have it. The deputy commissioner. Um, uh-huh. Steve just said his name. Um, JP J, Dickhead J. Stevens, yeah. yeah. Flat top porn stash. That's what I was calling <laughs> him all night.
1: Well, he does own a so, uh, own a porn shop, so yeah, that's not too far from the truth.
2: That's you really? That's. that's not uh, surprising. He
0: he used to be yeah he be, used to be owner of a. Of a facility that may sell certain...
1: He's things. an asshole with teeth, pretty much. He
2: sucks.
1: <laughs> he sucks. Well,
0: that might be the that might be the episode title tonight.
2: Yeah, and believe it or not, he asked where we were from. We said his name was, oh, I used to be a cop there. I, I can see it after spending an hour with the idiot. <laughs>
0: but, um, I wonder if Tim... Anyway, does Tim know him?
2: I don't know. I haven't talked to Tim for a while.
0: I think I could, we may need to see... We need to see if Tim knows him, because... You know, Tim Tim is the embodiment of what a cop should be, and this this a-hole is not. But in any event, you get there, he's ranting and raving.
2: Yeah, he, he's ranting and raving. Oh, we got three guys on suspension. I don't even know how many of these fights are going to happen. And da 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 And I, I immediately asked Luke, because I knew he lost his last fight. I said, hey, man, you're not on suspension, are you? And he said, I had a 30-day, but his fight was in October. And this is last weekend. That's way past 30 days. His fight was like October 12th or something. So I was like, all right, we're good. And um, then I watched him talk to a commissioner from Maine for Austin Speedy Markham's fight. And the commissioner from Maine, basically, from what I gathered, told him, yeah, he's on day 28 of a 30-day suspension. You can allow him to fight, but if he gets hurt, it's your responsibility. And he hangs up the phone with arrogance, uncanny, anything I've ever seen before. (laughs) He's like... He wants me to take responsibility. I'm not doing that. That fight's not happening. Like, are you, mm-hmm. you're a commissioner. It's your job to take the responsibility, man. What are you doing? You're ruining a show. And then an hour later, me and Luke still think we're fighting. Nobody has told me or him that the fight was not clear yet. And he still hasn't done weigh-ins yet because they did interviews last night. So he didn't know if the promoter was going to bring in people to interview him as we weighed. Oh, dear
1: God. Because the
2: promoter had to tell him what to do. But yet, he's the deputy commissioner. He tells the promoter what to do. He just does not know what he's doing. But anyway, it's like an hour has passed since that phone call happened and since he said people aren't fighting. Nobody's told me we're not fighting. Nobody's told Luke we're not fighting. We both think we are still fighting at this point. And basically... We, me and Eric go to the ATM to get money and come back to pay for Eric's license. And um, it's getting like, I think it's like 20 minutes until first bell's supposed to ring. He still hasn't weighed in all the pros, and we haven't seen the doctors yet. And um, So we're, t- we're
0: 20 minutes away from the start of the card. What a piece this, of is, this is, by the way, this is an event in Williamson where the entire purpose of the event is built around Austin Markham fighting. We Because Logan is... Not too far away from there, Austin is from between Logan and Williamson. So the whole purpose of this show is this fight happening. That is the entire purpose of the event, is he is going to be the headliner. And this fight gets scratched for literally no reason. Okay, anyone who's worked in boxing, who has been around commissions, who has been around events, knows full well there is no reason for for this event not to happen. There's certainly no reason for his fight not to happen after the other commission has been talked to. That's where we are, and yeah. you have not been told a thing about your fight, and we're 20 minutes from what was advertised to be the first bell.
2: Yeah, and um, so me and Eric get back from the ATM, which we had to go to Kentucky to a hospital of all places to get. Apparently, gas stations don't know ATMs exist down there. But So we went to a hospital ATM in Kentucky to get the money we come back and i'm getting ready to, i put my money on the table for eric to pay his thing and adam collins comes up by me and he's like hey he's like you shouldn't um you shouldn't buy him that you're not fighting i was like what do you mean he oh said well they didn't clear luke and so the the deputy commissioner didn't even tell me that adam collins told me that so i looked at the deputy commissioner i was like what do you mean we're not fighting and um he's like oh yeah he had to have a neuro exam done and luke said and Corky said that they got a doctor up in the middle of the night last night to get it done and get it faxed to New Jersey. And basically all a neuro is you put your feet together, you touch your nose with your hands, you look up, you close your eyes, you make sure like you're not stupid. And that's a neuro exam. And um, he passed it. And they got it to New Jersey, but, of course, New Jersey doesn't have anybody in on Saturdays, so they couldn't fax it back to West Virginia. So they weren't going to let the fight happen because they couldn't (laughs) fax it back, even though Corky got the doctor on the phone and the doctor was going to tell J.P. Stevens, the deputy commissioner, that he passed his neuro exam, he was good to go, and New Jersey was going to fax it Monday morning. And he wasn't having that, but here's the best part. This, I'm not even worried about the fight. I asked him for my $20 back to get my license, or get my license money for paying for Eric back. Right. He's like, well, well, you should go ahead and get it. Puts his hand on my $20 bill, like he's not giving me my 20 bucks back. I said, no, if I'm not fighting, I'm not buying him a license. He's like, well, he needs to be licensed in the state of West Virginia. I was like, I'm not fighting. Give me my money back. Or I will take my money back from you right now. I was angry. I'm not an angry person, but I was pretty angry at this point because they were just gonna let me buy a license <laughs> and still hadn't told me I wasn't fighting or anything. Oh my. Gosh. And and he was just going to take my twenty bucks. I mean, twenty bucks is twenty bucks, especially when I, I missed Bake Day for this fight. I don't know if you, you guys don't know. Any, well, you guys know me. Bake Absolutely. Day is an important nice day to me. I love Bake Day because I'm the tester. I'm the sampler. That's well, I don't have to do any of the
0: work, but I reap the rewards. These these are baked goods that need to be sampled, and that is an important process for people like us who have a big appetite. And we look forward yeah, to I, culinary events. We we share a love for the culinary world, Teddy Bear, and this is I do too. This is an important thing for us. So yeah, he robbed you of that and then wants to rob you of twenty bucks. And
2: Yeah, and he was about to get punched because I told him like everybody <laughs> laughed at him. I was like, dude, I miss bake day for this. I better be fighting and they laughed. I was serious, but everybody laughed, so I I had to grin.
0: Well we're and not, not like, rolling yeah, okay, in money. Yeah, we're not rolling in money here. So twenty bucks is twenty bucks. No matter what.
2: Yeah, especially when you drive 250 miles to get to the event the day of, and then you're told you're not fighting and to see you. But luckily, Corky's a good dude. Yes, he is. And Corky
0: Salier is a wonderful me. guy.
2: Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He, he said, well, we're not going to – he was who was buying the fight. The promoter wasn't paying for like Corky was. It was a, a paid bout for anybody who doesn't know. Right. Boxing lingo, that just means a third party buys a fight on the card. But, um, no. he told me, he's like, man, he's like, I'll reimburse you. And I'm pretty sure he was willing to give me more than what he did. But I told him, I understood it was, it was just a bad situation. I was like, man, I get paid to fight. I'm not fighting. it's okay. Just cover my gas money and I'm good. So he gave me a hundred dollar bill. So I was, I was, all right. Me and Eric still ate after the event, but it was just, it was a display of, I don't know what you want to call it, douchebaggery. I guess.
1: Yeah. The <laughs> like worst commission in sports. Before. The worst commission in the United States. Well, here's the thing that troubles me
0: about it is the West Virginia Commission got a bad rap over the last probably five or six, seven years, whatever. It's went worse. Okay, and and there was a time, there was a time in this state, Justin. You may remember this, Steve. I don't know if you do or not. There was a time when Tommy Morrison, after being diagnosed with HIV, <laughs> fought here. He fought in this state. Yeah, yep. And the commission at the time – I can't remember who was commissioner then. It wasn't Steve Allred, but it was somebody else – allowed that fight to happen because they were provided a copy of blood work that showed that Morrison was clean. They, were, they didn't get the original results. They got a photocopy of results that said he was clean, and they let him fight. And that news went all over the place. When I first started in this, Steve Allred was the commissioner. And yeah, I'm not going to say I agreed with everything Steve Allred did as a commissioner. There were times I thought he was a little bit too... Lenient? <laughs> no, I thought he was a little bit too strict on some on some things that he that he said was about fighter safety. But I thought, you know, you're this is a little bit overkill. These guys are getting in there to fight. And I, I don't think there's this much of a big deal. And there were some consistency issues with that. But overall, Steve Allred cared about the sport. And most of all, he cared about the fighters. And he was going to take care of them for that. And he, he did, I think, a great job as a commissioner. There was a time that I was a little... Frustrated Frustrated with some things, and I thought, man, I wish somebody else was commissioner. And then I got to know Steve better, and the more I got to know him, I, I started to see what he was doing and how he was doing it, and I got to see who he was as a person, and I thought, man, Steve Allred... This is a guy I like being a commissioner. He leaves his post. Chase Hill takes over. Chase is there for a matter of months. Then Jim Frio becomes commissioner. And Frio loses his commissioner spot because of a bunch of political nonsense in the northern part of the state with someone who was elected to an office. And that was infuriating because the shift that has gone on since Jim Frio left office – and I'm not going to start throwing, throwing a bunch of names of people under the bus here. But I'm just going to say that as a whole – The commission has taken a downturn, and everything's being conducted under this guise of we're going to fix these rules and these rules and these rules. One of the biggest problems that we have had here is you have people who came into office and decided we have a solution, and now we're going to go find a problem. We're going to find a problem because we have a solution. Well, if, there, if there's not yeah. a problem, then what, what are you trying to fix? I know the old adage is, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I like what Donnie Baker from Bob and Tom said. If it ain't broke, don't break it. How about hmm. that? That makes more sense. And it's been one issue after another. We have, had, we have seen a sharp decline in the number of shows that are happening in this state. We were told initially that the new regime, we were going to see more MMA and all these great things. I haven't seen an MMA show in this state in, in over a year that has that that part of of the commission has been completely completely killed and that's unfortunate and you see what's going on i'm af- i'm afraid of where this may be headed and we're starting to see more of the boxing action Especially in the border areas of this state, and I know we've got listeners all over the place, but but boxing is is an international thing. We're seeing a lot of events in border areas that are being going to be taken into Kentucky, into probably not Ohio because Bernie Perfado is still he's there. an asshole too. Yes, he is. Uh, but into Virginia <sighs> and maybe into Pennsylvania with with Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh and things like that we're going to start seeing a sharp decline, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, Justin, we've seen a lot of stuff in this sport. We've encountered a lot of stuff in this sport. Yes. And yes. where does this rank for you in terms of all the crap that you've dealt with in the past? And then we'll talk about the one that I know you're going to bring up. But but go ahead, But go. where does this rank for you out of all the crazy stuff that we've put up with?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, this jumped it. And, and to give you a little bit of perspective, my very first fight in West Virginia was under a Steve Allred commission I did not have valid blood work for this fight. I took the fight on short notice. It was at Wheeling Island on a Jerry Thomas card. And I did not have blood work. He looked at me. He said, how old are you? I said, 19. He said, you healthy? I said, yeah. He said, so you're not going to die on me? I said, I don't think so. And he said, sounds good to me. And he uh-huh. said, bring your blood work next time. <laughs> and, and that, that was my first experience with the West Virginia commission. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I think I'll like it here. And, um, and this, this jumps anything that's ever happened. And I, I've ran into some BS, and you know it, and like you said, we'll talk about it later with the Pennsylvania's Commission, but this jumped the list to number one, because it's just how everything was handled. It's not necessarily what happened was so um, uncommon in boxing, because it happens. It's just how this man handled everything, and... Just the way he carried himself in doing so, it was just absurd. So it definitely it takes the number one spot well, in it, my book. It
0: reeks Knocking of— Knocking
2: Serb in Pennsylvania down to number two.
0: You know, it it was going to take a lot to knock Greg Serb out of that position. But this, yes. for me, the word unprofessional is what comes in into mind above all else. And you could use a lot of words to describe what happened. I wasn't at the event. This this is not one I was able to go to. I was I was incredibly sick that day and I wasn't able to go. Uh, and as it turns out, it was a good thing I didn't drive two and a half or three hours all the way to Williamson for a fight that didn't happen. Because yeah, very good. Because because you've been around me when some of this stuff has happened, my reaction would not have been good <laughs> during during that little exchange. <laughs> uh, the story that we were going to talk about happened. This was what February of was it twenty thirteen.
2: I think it was 2014. Yeah, it
0: was February 2014. That's right. Because our first fight together was March of 2013 in Madison. So this is February of 2014. Yeah. Steve, you may know part of this story. I don't know if you know all of it. We are fighting in Pennsylvania at this little place that looks like it's a mountain retreat. Yeah. And the fighter who was in the main event that night was someone that is well-known nationally. was not really well-known then. But he's incredibly well-known now. Sammy Vasquez, the welterweight prospect. And Sam Vasquez Sr. was the one promoting the show. And one of the fighters fighting that night was a guy named Sean Conway. And by all accounts, Jack Conway is, is the trainer. And you know he's got sons and nephews and everybody that box. And Jack is a great trainer. His, his guys are always well-coached. And they're always good people. And Sean is no different. And, but Sean's this little, tiny heavyweight. And he's about 240 pounds. But he's like five foot seven. If that he's a tiny little guy.
2: Oh, he, he's five foot two.
0: Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's, that's
2: not. Ex- he's five two. Him and Jerry are. He, Jerry's got an inch on him. Jerry Davis has an inch on Sean Conway.
0: I still want Jerry to run for governor, by the way. But that that's I a whole so. other that's a whole other story. Uh, so Sean Conway is going to turn pro on this event, and that was the that was I don't know if he was if it was his pro debut or his second fight. But either way, he was fighting on this it, show.
2: Yeah, it was his second fight. He was he was 0-1. He had been beat by this real tall guy. That's right. That basically just held his arm straight out, and Sean couldn't get to him because he was almost a legal dwarf.
0: I, <laughs> I remember that now. He was 0-1. So we get ready for this fight. And obviously this is Conway's... This is Conway's turf, Conway's area, but we we know coming in what our game plan's going to be. We know we're, we're going to go in and try to step around him and just unleash ungodly amounts of offense on him. We go in, and after the first round, it's pretty obvious that our game plan's going to work, because we're landing offense on him, and Conway's landing maybe a punch or two, as a perimeter's approaching, you know, corners, ropes or something, but the vast majority of the round is is pretty obvious what's going on. He's taking right hands to the top of his head. So I know you broke you broke your hand either in the second or the third.
2: Yeah, it was the I heard it in the first and then it it broke in the second. Okay. And on the video you watch in between two and three you see me kind of pull you to the side right. and whisper. I think I broke my hand. Right.
0: Yeah. And I said, I said, are you okay? And you said, yes, sir. And I said, well, then we'll worry about it after the fight. So this is all you need to know. I wrapped your hands because we talked about it before the fight. I said, you're going to hit him so much. You're going to need these things wrapped as heavily as possible because you're going to hit him not only incessantly, but you're going to be hitting him on top of the head. So we're going to have to protect you. So I wrapped that thing with so much gauze and tape that we had trouble getting the gloves on more trouble than ever. Cause we knew we had to protect him, and you still hurt your hand. So you're, you're yeah. landing this many punches. You're landing this many punches on this man's head. We go in and win all four rounds of that fight, all four rounds. It was not cl- Stevie wonder could write an article talking about how it sounded like you won all four rounds of that fight. It was that clear what happened. So the fight ends and the ring announcer gets the master scorecard. And for the people who don't know how boxing works, not every judge doesn't have a scorecard with all 12 rounds listed on the sheet of paper and they fill it in as they go. Every judge has a single individual card for each round. The judge fills in who won the round, referee collects them, hands them to a master scorekeeper, they put them on a master scorecard, and then at the end of the uh, end of the fight, the master scorecard has the complete scorecard for all three judges. So, master scorecard gets handed to the ring announcer, and we have video of this. I did video of this event. So, I've got video of this shot directly at the ring from the angle where all of this is taking place. And we'll post this on the, on the page for the podcast on Facebook. So everybody can see it. The ring announcer gets the master scorecard and says, judge. So and sco scores, the scores, the about 40, 36 Novaria. So that's, that's 40, 36, four rounds to none, a shutout for Justin, Justin, what happened as soon as that scorecard was read?
2: Man, it, I couldn't believe it. We like, were facing it. Was red, them. I, I was feeling good. I was like, "Man, we, yeah, we we got one. We we nagged it here, baby." And then Greg, sir, the head commissioner of Pennsylvania, jumps into the ring like like he's on a mission. Takes the scorecard from the announcer. Says, "Oh, we made a mistake." Takes the scorecard from the announcer. Goes back over to the side. Gets a pen from the table starts scribbling shit on the master scorecard, hands it back to the to the ring announcer, and reads off the next two scores, which all of a sudden happened to be 39-37 for Sean Conway.
0: It was like, one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen a happen. a fucking piece of shit. And this is what, I think that sums it up, Steve. Gosh, I would have had to
1: punch that guy. Well
0: this is a this is a commissioner who has gotten a lot of a lot of play over the years. USA Tuesday Night Fights used to if they had a fight in Pennsylvania at Blue Horizon, they would bring him on and talk to him on the air. He at one point I think was the head of the Association of Boxing Commissions. He's gotten a lot of big attention for what he for the stuff that he's done in the sport, but you see him in an event and he walks around in his Harvard boxing track suit. he's about five foot two he's a little bigger than Sean Conway. And he will not hardly talk to you. You'll, you'll pay him a compliment and say, hey, it's nice to meet you. I've seen your work over the years. And he will not hardly look at you in the eye if he even bothers to shake your hand. So he jumps up and changes this scorecard. Now keep in mind, the master scorecard is filled in round by round by the master scorekeeper. So they write in the scores for round one at the end of round one. From the time those were filled in and totaled and handed to the ring announcer, they would not have had time to go back through those individual 12 index cards and check those scores to find out they were wrong. There would not have been time to do that. Did you
1: appeal this, hopefully?
0: So we know there's no – well, here's the problem with that. that. Steve, great question. Appealing it would have been a great idea, but the person you would have appealed it to is Greg Serb because he was the commissioner in Pennsylvania. So there would have been no oversight. He would have been the one to appeal it to. And the only way you could have done it is to blackmail him and say, "Uh, Greg, here's the video of you doing this. But he at any point could have said, well, I was the one in charge that night, so – this is why I did this and this and this and this. He would have plenty of time you to cover. You the his video butt. of it. I do have the video. We're going to post it on the Facebook page for the podcast when this episode goes up. Good. And Good. you can. Ta- I'll post the whole fight, and you can take a look at the fight and, and see it for yourself. It was a. It was a I'd forty thirty six. that has some clout
1: that hates him and
0: show it. It was a forty thirty six runaway, and it was egregious. That is the worst thing that I had ever encountered in boxing, and, and in terms of what I've dealt with. With a result of that kind, that's as bad as I've ever dealt with. I've put up with some crap from the commission, especially around here in recent years. But And, and of course, that was as unjustified as, as the crap we dealt with in Pennsylvania. But that right there is as idiotic as anything I've ever encountered. So for you to say that this is worse than the Greg Serb <laughs> incident, that tells you all you need to know about what happened in Williamson. I think that, that speaks volumes on its own.
2: That's pitiful. Yeah, it was bad.
0: One more thing. Tomorrow night, we've got a fight on HBO. It's Billy Joe Saunders crossing the pond to defend his WBO middleweight championship. Steve hates Billy Joe Saunders. He he, He calls him BJ because he thinks he sucks. Yeah, he does suck. So it's Billy Joe Saunders against David Lemieux. Saunders coming to Montreal to fight Lemieux on his home turf. Personally, don't think it's much of a fight. I think Lemieux knocks Saunders out. Justin, what do you think?
2: Um, I think Saunders whitewashes him. Really, I think he shuts him out. Yeah, I think he shuts him out. Um, Interesting. I think everybody's overlooking Billy Joe. Billy Joe, he's tough. I mean, yeah. Do you do I not like him personally? I don't know him personally, but his character, no, I don't like his character at all. Especially when um, he said that he could beat Triple G <laughs> when it, getting ready getting ready for the Eubank fight. I think it was the bank fight. It was a press conference, and he's like. Well, I should get the triple G fight, and Chris Eubank Jr. said, "How about you sit down before he beats us both in the same night?" <laughs> <laughs> and I became a Chris Eubank Jr. fan real quick. But yeah, he's he's an ass, but the kid is talented. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna whitewash Lemieux. Really? Lemieux is tough but I don't think Lemieux has the boxing skills for it. He has the pop to knock anybody out, but he's still very, very limited when it comes to his skill set.
1: I think he grew up from the uh, Triple G fight. I think he's actually improved quite a bit on his boxing skill. Although Billy Joe Saunders does have, he's really technical, he's really slick, um, but I think it only takes one mistake to get that left hook on you.
0: I thought Lemieux showed some nuance in, even though everybody focuses on how explosive that knockout of Curtis Stevens was, yeah. I thought Lemieux showed a little bit of nuance in that fight in how he he got that situation to set itself up. He
1: shifted on that left hook. It was beautiful. He did.
0: And Curtis Stevens, for for all that he is, Curtis Stevens can crack. Oh, that, yeah. that, that guy dude can punch He's got left with the hook best too, of them. You know? And for Lemieux to do what he did, I think, was telling. But I I thought he set it up pretty well. He about pacquiao him, dude. Yeah, he did. Curtis Stevens may still be a little dizzy. He may still be stepping in potholes after that knockout. Uh, Okay, so you, you think he goes in and whitewashes Lemieux, but that creates a different question. Do you think that Saunders can win a decision in Montreal against Lemieux without winning all 12 rounds clearly? Do you think he can win a decision? That's not to say he won't win the fight, but do you think he can win a decision?
2: I mean, I think he can, but like you just said, he'll have to do it. Very, very decisively,
0: Lemieux is a guy that lands so many power punches and lands them so heavily that those are the shots that if he only lands two or three in the round they 're visible they 're memorable, and judge that sticks in their mind, so it can give you the illusion of close rounds, even when if you look at all four scoring criteria, Saunders probably won the round pretty big, but Canada is notorious for decisions that make absolutely no sense. We've seen strange refereeing, yeah. we've seen strange judging. So with with everyone knowing that this is Lemieux's probably last big big shot to stay relevant on that on that top level. Mm-hmm. And knowing that they're making Saunders come all the way across the pond, which kudos to Billy Joe for coming all the way over there to fight in Montreal. He didn't have to do that by any means. He's the champion. Go to him. And especially in in the UK where there's plenty of promotional money to make that fight happen. So kudos to him for that. I I just don't know if that's going to work out the way that he thinks. It reminds me a little bit. Of the fight when Lucien Boutet <laughs> went over to England to defend his title against Carl Froch, which is one of the, the my favorite fights of the last twenty years, mm-hmm. because Boutet, yeah. he could have made Froch come to Montreal. There was a rematch clause in it that said if Froch wins, they would do the rematch it in Montreal. Have but it never <laughs> happened. And but Boutet at that point was a good fighter. Yeah. He was still doing a lot of good things, and he went over there and took that fight. And Carl Froch beat the breaks off of Lucy and Boutte. I don't think this is the same kind that, of fight that, because bute but and and Saunders are not the same kind of fighter, but when still has that, he has that one shot power where he can take a fight where he's down four rounds to none and he can land that shot in the fifth round and not just do something big. He can turn the tide of the fight. So I'm, I'm very, yeah. I'm looking forward to the fight. I think it's a little more intriguing than people are giving it credit for. It got so overshadowed by the Cotto fight. And by the Lomachenko rigando disappointment, that yeah, this this one may be getting embarrassment. Th- that that's another word. It's not getting the play that it should, and it's the last fight of the year. So I think we should all kind of get behind it and see what happens because it's a good it's a good it. bow on the on the end of the year. You're just watching it, hoping Saunders yeah. gets obliterated, Steve.
1: Yeah. Well, he can't say anything about Triple G, I mean, nobody's done. He, Canelo didn't even look like Canelo against him, so you know. Uh, adds apples and oranges to me. I I hope Lemieux breaks his face, but that's just how I feel.
0: Justin, one last thing. Gut reaction pick. If the fight does happen on May 5th, Canelo, Golovkin, we'll, we'll obviously be talking about it in the lead-up if it gets signed officially, but gut reaction right now, who would be your pick in that rematch?
2: Golovkin.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. I like him even more now.
0: Well, you listened to the Watch Party episode, so you know what we thought of that decision when it happened the first time. But this is an East Coast thing, and even though it's on Cinco de Mayo in New York, if it does get finalized for Madison Square Garden, New York is not going to give you the same decision that Vegas would, especially with the attention on it.
1: Why even do Cinco? We're going to find Cinco de Mayo. Fuck Cinco de Mayo. You know what
0: I mean? Because they're looking for somebody to fill the void that Cotto used to have and that Ugh. other guys that used to have on – because Cotto's thing was always he was going to fight. Con. to do it. He was going to fight on uh, the Puerto Rican Day Parade. That's mm. when Cotto always fought. Well, now, now it's Canelo on Cinco de Mayo and, and try to jump all that. Why do you need it?
2: Well, Floyd started the Cinco de Mayo thing. Yeah, he did. Floyd started the May and September dates and then Canelo just kinda took it over when when they tried to pass him the (laughs) torch.
0: (laughs) Well, wasn't it Roger who who said he was the Mexican killer in or the Mexican assassin in the eighties? And then Rocky Lockridge ruined his life with one right hand on NBC and took his title away. One of the great moments. And then
2: became then became homeless and ruined some dude's life outside a liquor store.
0: That is that not one of the greatest YouTube videos of all time, is Rocky Lockridge just destroying that dude as a homeless guy? Yeah, and, and, oh, my god,
2: And nobody knows who he is. They're like, oh, look at this old dude. He must have boxed. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely did box.
0: Did you know that Frankie Randall is back in Tennessee and homeless and living under a bridge? Is he really? Yeah, he is. It, it, it's another one of those nice. things between the – CTE. The, the CTE and some drug use and everything else. He's uh he's had some trouble. CTE but.
1: and cocaine. Not but a good we'll,
0: t- we'll talk about homeless fighters and CTE and all that stuff next time. Teddy Bear, we enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, my friend. I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Alright, man. We'll be back to wrap up episode nine of Apex Live with our final segment and final thoughts right after this. See you, bud. <laughs> Final moments of Episode 9 of Apex Live. want to say thank you to Justin Novaria for guesting for us tonight. I love the invention of Skype, Steve. It really helps us out a lot. We can bring in a lot of people.
1: Oh, yeah, it's good. Good And uh,
0: Teddy Bear gets to jump in, talk a little bit of boxing. Our next episode, we're going to try to have Jake Morris in and talk about West Virginia's bowl game coming up, the Heart of Dallas Bowl, taking on Utah from the Pac-12 A lot of concerns surrounding WVU in that game, but we did find out Will Greer has announced he's coming back for his senior Senior season. season. Man, that makes me happy. Uh, Hopefully he plays Will. He will, just a matter of everybody else. Uh, We're going to talk about the college football playoff. That starts at the end of the year. We've got Clemson versus Alabama in the one versus four game. Georgia and Oklahoma in the two versus three. We'll give some analysis and predictions on all of those games, and we'll tell some stories from Jake and I's antics down in Section 103 at Mountaineer Field. Stay tuned for that. It'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of guests coming up. I've turned the, the window on the curio cabinet in my dining room, which is also our recording studio, into kind of a whiteboard. And I've got a list of upcoming episodes and guests and boxing events and all those sorts of things. So we've got a lot of stuff on board and some different topics to talk about. This one was a lot of boxing. We're going to talk college football next time, some politics, some news that that has come out. Over the last two or three weeks, Jake is a very informed guy, very smart guy. He'll have an opinion on just about everything, so he'll chime in on some of those things as well. We'll talk about Christmas after the fact, because we've got to get past all of that nonsense that's going on as well. Steve, final thoughts.
1: How do I don't really know.
0: Steve, you've always got final thoughts. I always
1: have final thoughts. You've always
0: got thoughts. So what are your thoughts? I just got
1: so much things, you know, so many things that are going on right now with what I, you know, just staying on task or getting back on task, Mm -hmm. getting a better training regiment and, um, and that's not new year's resolution stuff. That's just overall life goals. So just basically staying on track and finding that middle ground, which we all need that sweet spot. That's what we all need to find. And, you know, I think we need to encourage each other to do that.
0: Well, I, that's one thing that I think we can look at since we're halfway through the last month of the year, at least on our Gregorian calendar. Yeah, is we're staring twenty eighteen in the face, and I know that, I know that time flies faster. The older you get and you know, there was a time when you're in first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade and it seemed like forever the year just dragged on. And, I
1: want that now.
0: Yes. And summer got here and it seemed like summer was gone in a blank. And now it seems like every bit of time that we have is going by that quickly. Because. It just seems like it races faster and faster. And I don't know if it, if it's just perception due to age, but I, I do sometimes think that time is going faster than it ever was before. And you see that on the timeline of geopolitical events. You see that with things that relate to Bible prophecy. That's why I write books about the subject. You see things moving so much faster now. And as I look at 2018 on the calendar and the things that we have planned with the Apex Combat Fight Team, the things I have planned personally, with different goals that I want to reach professionally and personally. I know things that you want to do. Your kids are growing up; they're getting older. They're doing all kinds of stuff. You see it. You see it face to face every day. You see the growth. Um, I want to make 2018 a big year. I know you do too. Uh, it's just amazing that it's here so quickly, and and we're already having to take what was theoretical and make it make it happen now because it's here. It's here now. And it's right around the corner and we'll talk about that as
1: the holidays pass as well. But it won't be long. No. You seem concerned. I'm just concerned about how fast time goes. <laughs> I've been thinking about it so much. It's <laughs> I mean, you know, it started pretty much November blew my knee out and then, you know, a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just Was that November
0: that you injured that you had the knee injury in the gym? Yeah. That was November of sixteen. Yeah. It's amazing what has happened.
1: It's so since then.
0: It seems like it was six months ago that you had the knee injury, and now here we are, and it's... It's weird. It's already happening again. I mean, there's
1: so many other different little
0: aspects, you know, I'm just... Well, 2018 I needs to be the year of no knee injuries, because in 16, you hurt yours. In 17, I hurt mine. Yeah. So, so we need to have no more knee injuries. That's the whole key. But uh, no top five list tonight. We're going to do the uh, the top five greatest villains, which was Teddy Bear's suggestion. But we're going to get him to record his and send it in. We're going to have Eric Slocum. He's already told me he's going to record his and send it in. Anybody that's listening, give us your list and of, send your, them in. of your top five villains, no matter who they are. Tell us who the villains are and why you think they belong on the list of the top five greatest villains. They may be personal, they may be fictional, they may be real. Whoever they are, just tell us who they are and then defend their selection on the list for you. You can record those as as an MP3 file, as whatever kind of file on your phone with the voice recorder. Email that to apexlivepodcast at gmail.com. More than anything, like it, share it, tell your friends get it all out there we want to increase our listener base and we hope you enjoy every episode that we present and uh more than anything else just another friendly reminder betrayal never comes from your enemies watch your six now more than ever everybody steve i enjoyed it my friend me too bud episode nine's done episode 10 is right around the corner Again, like us, share us, tell your friends, and interact with the show. Yeah. You know what the information is. We're not hard to find. Until next time, I'm Brad. That's Steve. This has been Apex Live.